0: The Net Live is brought to you by the Spire Institute. Integrating sports and education, training and learning, performance and competition like no place on earth. SpireInstitute.org. Now, on with the show.
1: It's that time. We have the people. This is Eric and I'm Juana.
2: This is Priscilla Lima. This is Casey Patterson. The story in real time. We're
3: a much better team now than we were
2: then. I'm not looking at just this year, I'm looking at the next four years.
1: You're listening to The Netline with Barney. You didn't win, so you must not have done a good job. Peter. There's no better angle for sure uh, than the one from behind
4: you. All this travel and playing and priorities has been really getting in the way of our relationship.
1: And DJ Ruscha. I have great thighs. It's The Net
0: Live, right now. just noticing your size. Is that weird? No, no, it's not weird at all no. for some reason. Well, You've been in Vegas, so nothing, nothing no. could possibly be weird. No doubt. Monday, October 1st, 2012. Welcome to The Net Live, ladies and gentlemen. Appreciate you tuning in. Kevin Barnett holding down the home court. The newly redecorated home court with Jeremy Ruscha. It looks good. He's at the big boy desk, and uh, it's an actual desk, no longer a banquet table that I've used for the last 12 years
5: as a desk. I feel like I need, like, a plaque in front with my name on it or something.
0: <laughs> I've got one of those. It says Kevin, but we could put it on there. It should say El Presidente. El Presidente. Well, so Jeremy's still in the big boy chair. I have in my own home, my own home court, been relegated to left out. That's my position. I'm not left back anymore. I'm just left out.
5: Well, when you when left for the Olympics, we kind of did the uh, – I think we referred to ourselves as the back row. You so, did? That was good. Yeah, that was a good one. So, I like that. now you're on the bench. Is it Avall with that, with the back Aval, row? Avall, I think, came – it was either Alzina or Avall. I'll have to double check. But All right. we close.
0: We have a front row type show planned for you today. We have a couple of great guests coming on the program. It's college season, fall. Professional seasons are over as far as national teams are concerned and beach tours are concerned. So our attention turns to college. We have two coaches from the Pac-12 this week. Jim Moore of Oregon. His Ducks off to a fantastic start. Talk to him about whether his team has risen finally to the top echelon of the Pac-12, or if it's a little too early to make that statement. Also talk to Mick Haley. His team, 2-2 two and two in the Pac-12, coming off a victory yesterday at Washington State where I was located for the Pac-12 Network. So if you saw that one, that was a good performance for the Trojans. We'll talk to Mick Haley about his squad, which is a young group that I think is only going to get better, and next year only going to get younger. So interesting times there at USC, Mick earning his money. We'll have the College Volleyball Weekly for you, the AVCA College Volleyball Weekly. Mike Sondheimer will be calling in this week. He was way late in a meeting. We'll probably have Brandon Rosenthal
5: as well. You were announcing a lot yesterday. One was live, one was on tape. Oh, two games on? Yeah, the NBC Cuervo. Oh, that's right. You got a shout-out from uh, Lauren Fendrick on Twitter. don't know if you know how to use that yet. but
0: I saw that at about
5: uh, 11.40 last night when I was getting home. You should probably reply to her and say thanks, get some Twitter conversation going. That's a good idea.
0: Is that how that works? That's how that works.
5: (laughs) (laughs) Got to get out there, Kevin.
0: Yeah, Lauren Fendrick uh, lost the match, but uh, getting in the finals, that's
5: a good result for the last
0: tournament of the season. Give her a little shout-out for Zico. We're to give yep. Zico a little shout-out. We're
5: still drinking it here in the house. Still at my place, too. Thanks, Brooke Niles. Brooke Niles came through big. Big. And, like, when I say big, I mean she gave us, like, the big cartons.
0: Our old buddy, McGee, drank all his cartons within, like, three days.
5: Notice he showed up on the day that we got some swag from somebody, and then we haven't seen him since. Yeah, where is he? Who knows?
0: I actually, I know where he is today. Today is opening big day for, for the Time Warner Network. Yep. Opening day for Lakers training camp. Yep. This is the launch. No more runs. Take the training wheels off. All right, McGee, climb out from underneath the plastic. It's time to get dirty. Welcome to the show. So, Chris McGee, we may hear from him on his way in, but this is a big day. Time Warner launching their network. They will have the Lakers. Actually, uh, they will have Chris McGee and the Lakers is actually how it That's ought how to be phrased, be. right, in our world. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about the Hall of Fame Inductions. That's coming up on October 20th, so about 19 days till that happens. Let's talk about that class a little bit. Talk Pac-12 Volleyball and uh, whatever tangents and cosines we happen to go off on.
5: You mean uh, like a space race rant like you did last week, which I actually found highly entertaining. I listened to it now that I have an iPhone. I listened to the podcast and fast-forwarded to that part because I wanted to hear it again because I – People were mentioning it to me, and I was like, did that really actually happen?
0: I don't even know what I said. I'll have to listen to that. It was awesome. See if my iPhone 4 can do it. I know your 5 can do it speedily. You know that. Look at that thing. It's just a little bit bigger,
4: a little bit thinner.
0: Nice. And you have a Mac computer now, so welcome to the club. Hey, volleyball birthdays. We have an important announcement for volleyball birthdays today. Part of iOS 6, as a matter of fact. All my Facebook birthdays are now on my phone. I'm not sure that's good. But this one was already in there, Read Pretty, happy birthday, boss man. Today is Read Pretty's birthday? Today is Read Pretty's birthday. So if you uh, catch Read Pretty on Twitter or on Facebook, wish him a happy birthday. His birthday present, a six-month sentence in Turkey.
5: Well, more like eight months. He leaves like tomorrow or something. Tomorrow, yeah. He's spending his birthday packing. Enjoy your birthday dinner, (laughs) and off to Ankara. See ya. And also, happy birthday to Danielle Scott
0: Ohuda. Oh, nice. Five-time Olympian. Five. It's a lot. I think it's five. I think she was four last time. Five. Are you kidding me? You're playing at a high... Are you high kidding me, Daniel
5: Scott? ...at a high level for a long time.
0: Can't you go for six? Sure. Evgenia Estes of Russia set the record this past Olympics with six.
5: Does she want to do that?
0: No, why not? She's still healthy. She is uh, an incredible story of high-level durability. Danielle Scott
5: happy 67th birthday. She's the middle, right? Yeah.
0: And she's like 6'12". Oh, Danielle's not that big. I think Danielle's about 6'1", maybe. That's it? I, I'd have to look at my notes. They're behind you. Oh, the notes are
5: all your... Paperwork from the old desk went.
0: Yeah, the Olympics is back there. I don't know, there's a there's a box that has something in it. I don't know what else is back there. We're gonna keep the new desk looking nice. I'm looking forward to talking to Jim Moore and McHaley, that's for sure. I went to Pullman, Washington this past week and I'd never been to Pullman, Washington. It was a new experience for me. And you bought a house there, right? Uh yeah. So I'm thinking cheap. of it. I'm thinking of buying a house there. I think that would be a, a great idea. So I can get twenty acres four to five bedroom home seven car garage slash workshop
5: perfect for me slash bike storage mhm,
0: a barn, enough space to build a private motocross track, which I saw a couple of that's uh, seven minutes for those coming home. yeah, and all that is gonna run me about two hundred and fifty k
5: Net lab salary right
6: there,
5: <laughs> 250k. It's
0: uh, that's fantastic. I'm thinking about getting out of the rat race here. The home court might be moving. What about when it snows? I'm okay with snow. That I'm okay with snow. You know who's not okay with snow? My wife Erin. She's not okay with snow. Well, she actually she likes snow. She's not okay with cold and dreary weather.
5: It's a little depressing. I was watching a movie last night and. There was a scene where the guy was scraping ice off his windshield, and I looked at Nicole and said, I don't ever want to do that again, ever. Were you watching The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo? Sure. It's a good movie. It is a good movie. You
0: know what I saw yesterday? So I had the match early in Pullman. Yeah, I had discovered, I had seen 250 yards from my hotel, signed for the cinema.
5: By the way, that was the closest thing to your hotel, probably.
0: Yeah, actually, I, I tell you what, I like Pullman. The setup there, I would go back and broadcast again, no problem. Great campus, weather right now still beautiful, but... Good little restaurant just up the way. I fly into the airport, and I have to drive all of six and a half minutes to get to my hotel. Stayed at the Holiday Inn Express, so I don't really know how to be a television announcer. I just stayed at the Holiday Inn Express on Saturday night. But get up and do the match, 1130 match. Kind of an oddball time, but good for the TV. Live on Pac-12. USC wins 3-0, which, of course, is a win for the television production crew. Yep. Anything 3-0 is a win for television production. And we're done. It's 1 o'clock. I say bye to everybody. Thanks. Uh, Yep. Good pleasantries. See you later. Go back to my hotel room where I had a late checkout. Quick change out of the suit. Get into my clothes and uh, arrive at 145 for the 150 showing of Looper. Ooh, how was that? Excellent. I need to see it, huh? Go see it. Okay. I wasn't that fired up for it because I just hadn't seen commercials for it. Yeah. buddy of mine saw it, sent me a text, said, you got to see the movie. Okay, great. Went and saw it. Now, this is in contrast to Prometheus, which I was incredibly fired up to see. And then bummed. Had it on my calendar, saw it, and I was like, Ridley Scott, you owe me 10 dollars 5 back. That's all you paid? I'm impressed. I didn't go IMAX 3D. That would be like 16 I mean, I like Prometheus. I thought it was, the opening scene was cool, but so many holes in the story. Looper, on the other hand, fantastic story. Bruce Willis, again, great. He plays a great beat-up guy. You know, it reminded me of his role in The Sixth Sense. Okay. Just from a, from a feeling standpoint. It's a very different role, but from a standpoint of feel, it reminded me of The Sixth Sense. But Looper's a, a good one. I want to see it again. I recommend it. Get out. See it. Let us know on Facebook.com slash The Net Live what you think of it or twitter.com slash the net live. Someone besides me will answer on Twitter. No, that's no, not true. I'm learning how to use Twitter. Okay. But I, that was my day, because you can't get a flight out except for 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. out of the terminal that's the size of my home, and in the middle of a wheat field, I think it is. I mean, literally, it's the middle of nothing. I took a video just surrounding the airport. There's because you could. That's it. It's just one runway. So... I had until 6 p.m., so I went to the movies, went to the Mongolian Fire. Nice. That was excellent, by the way. Love the Mongolian grill
5: concept. How are the people there? Good peeps.
0: Good peeps. Lots of fun. Good crowd, band. Even with the football game having been in Seattle the night before with Washington State playing against Oregon. So a lot of folks still out of town. But as Jen Greeney, head coach of Washington State, put it to me, she said, it's great because this is what there is to do. There's nothing to do but the university, so people come to the university for everything. That's good. Support everything. Yeah. Football games, volleyball games, basketball games. It's just uh, a really neat place to be. She said they love it. Her husband, Burdette, assistant coach, and Jen Greeny love it. They, they have two daughters, and they're fired up to be there. Jen Greeny, of course, uh, player of the year there, 98 and 99. So former athlete, went to school there, and now has returned as coach, the 12th in the history of Washington State. Nice. Washington State's a pretty decent team. They dig balls well. They're a good blocking team. They're not as big as other teams, but they have good discipline on the block. I like what they do. The problem is they don't have the terminal hitters to turn that into points.
5: Are they a younger team or more junior seniors? Four seniors, mm-hmm.
0: a couple juniors, uh, but it's a transitional thing. Jen second year. Yeah, It's a transitional thing. Gotcha. She's She's attempting to change the culture, change the team and do something different with it. And that's always a, a weird time, second, third season. By the third season, it, it finally, I think I think it's on the coach. Can you coach? I think by fourth, fifth season, then it's really on them and their whole program. Gotcha. Because by third season, at least it's your, your team. Players that wanted to leave have probably left. You have quite a few of your own recruits. They have six new ones coming in next year and it starts to look more like your team. So I think the results are kind of on you for a combination of recruiting and coaching of what was there. By year five, it's definitely your team, and that's on you entirely. Because yeah, it's all your people. It's all your people. But I think Jen Greene doing some exciting stuff up there. I believe I go back at some point. I hope I go back. Cool. Uh, back up to Pullman. So I had a good time up there, but USC just too much. Samantha Brizio, youngest player in the history of the Mexican national team, senior national team. 16 years old, was on the senior national team for Mexico. Not a great national team. I was say,
5: what does that say about, but still, she's 16.
0: You're on a national team at 16. Yeah. It does, you could be on any national team at 16 outside of maybe Barbados, but Mexico not to that level, of course. Uh, you're pretty awesome. I like it. And she was fun to watch. She had a good match, I believe it was 14 kills, hit about 380, something close to that. Wow. Yeah, she had a nice match. I was impressed with Samantha Brizio. So something to watch for USC. Looks like Alexis Olgart healthy again, finally. Mm -hmm. She's been playing well. They just haven't been passing the ball well enough to get her the ball very much. I think that's been one of the biggest issues for SC is just passing and ball control. And then uh, outside hitter, Katie Fuller. She's been doing a nice job. She's in her senior season.
5: She's been doing a pretty nice job. Do you think that they're going to be the team towards the end of the year that you're going to have to go through them to get to the national championship?
0: No, I think they're going to be in in contention for Pac-12. Gotcha. And and they'll be in the tournament, no doubt. They're that level. How they play in December, they don't even know. Gotcha. They're playing for December.
6: Gotcha.
0: (laughs) That's how they're putting it this year. They're trying to learn. Their biggest question mark is at the setting spot, Haley Crone. It's a big question as to how she can control the offense and take care of what needs to be done from that, that quarterback discussion we had before yeah. and set her position. That's really going to be the, the deciding factor. They have the hitters. I think, I think they have the, the, the big sticks that are necessary to be successful to, to make it to an elite eight or a final four uh, and, and be in contention. And the question is, can Haley Crone deliver the ball? And I think Natalie Haglund, uh libero last year, ABCA, all-American, first-team All-American at Laverro. First time that ever happened for an SC player. I think she's got to pick up her game just a bit mm-hmm. from the beginning of the year. But it's nothing that she can't do and hasn't already done. Cool. So it's a, it'll be an interesting team. This week I get uh, Cal and Oregon, which should be pretty good. At. At Cal. Nice. I'm actually at Cal at Stanford the next, uh, next two Wednesdays. So if you're up in that area. And coming to that match, come by and say hi. I'll
5: be playing Analyst. Playing one on TV?
0: Yeah, because uh, I'm going to play my play game now, but I will play Analyst for the next two Wednesdays, just for fun, just to get back to my roots. How was your pool party this weekend?
5: Pool party in Vegas was fun. It was the closing pool party of the year for the Monte Carlo. And uh, they, they, have, had,
0: they have a volleyball court there, you were telling me? They
5: have a legit volleyball court. They have a wave pool, a lazy river, and then like a little lounge pool. That's not where like the party is. So if you just want to come relax by the pool, you can be over there and still kind of hear the music, but it's not all up in your face. Sounds like Warren Sapp's house. <laughs> not anymore. He's just bankrupt. That's what I mean. He has a lazy river oh, in his yeah. house. Keep going. But it was a lot of fun. I mean, it was it was warm, and I kept telling you know everybody who doesn't everybody who lives outside of probably the West Coast, Southern West Coast, thinks fall is here, and I refused to say that because it was almost 100 degrees this weekend in Vegas, and it felt like summer. And I think it was almost 100 degrees in Los Angeles this weekend as well. It's supposed to be 92 here, 105 inland. When it's 92 at the beach. Yeah, it's hot. It's too hot. It's going to be brutal inland. Brutal.
0: Yeah, if they're predicting 105, you're really in trouble because you know in the sun you might just burst into flames.
5: Well, and also here just getting off the plane this morning, there was no breeze. So not only is it hot, but there's like even by the ocean there's no breeze. Like your trees aren't moving outside. No. The bamboo looks good even though it's not yours. That's an issue. You to write a letter to the uh, homeowners association. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you about that later. Cool, good times. Um, but now I think summer—it's October—so now summer is officially over. Although I do have one more beach volleyball event that I leave for Thursday morning at Fort in Fort Walton Beach, Florida. Fort Walton Beach. Yep. Emerald Coast Volleyball Week. They have it twice a year, one in the spring, one in the fall. And uh, I've done the spring event the last few years. And this year they're bringing me in for the fall one, so I'm looking forward to it.
0: Wouldn't that be
5: beach volleyball weeks? Not week. True, but it's this since it's this week. Oh, it's, it's this the week. fall. It's the fall. Singular. Week. Yes, correct. Okay. It's kind of like sets and games. No, it's nothing like that.
0: I I discovered something this week that I want. Oh boy tell you about this, because it's, it's all volleyball, but you know what? Tangents and cosines. Yeah. So that's just the way you get it here. Deal with it. We will have Jim Moore and McHaley later to bring it back to volleyball. But for now, I, I saw a MakerBot. A MakerBot. I read about a MakerBot. MakerBot is a rapid prototyping machine, but it, it's just a box. About the size of half of a filing cabinet behind you there. Okay. And you can 3D model parts. And then have the MakerBot make it right in your house out of plastic. Because it's a 3D printer is basically what it is. Yeah. It's like the replicator in uh, Star Trek. Okay. So read Wired this month. Check it out. It's called the MakerBot. I want one. The NetLive needs to buy one. I'm not sure why yet. I'll come up with a reason. What's the price tag on this thing? 2200 It's not bad. And then you can 3D model stuff and actually make it. Action figures. Oh. Monsters. Monsters. little whatever you want. Little pieces for volleyball.
5: Does Gardhoff Gardhoff have one of these already?
0: He will have them because he could make doll heads. He could 3D model doll heads. That's actually what made me think of it because there was a discussion in there about you can order online now or you can go to a place and have them scan your head and they will make a custom one-of-a-kind action figure of you. I'm realistic looking sh- action not, figure. I'm
5: not sure I want that to be honest with you. Your hair would look like in look an action awesome. figure. Especially right now, it's legit.
0: But I was thinking McGee, you know, he needs to have a little McGee on his desk there at Time Warner.
5: You know, he could probably sell those. He's kinda he's kind of famous now. Uh, I said kind of.
0: If it came in a pack with big game James, his partner James Worthy, then yes, I, I think there would be some some value to that. But McGee is kinda like the throw in, like you bought Job of the Hutt and you got Salacious Crumb with him, you know. Wow. <laughs> it's
5: impressive. First of all, that you yeah. knew that. Second of all, that you just pulled that out. You've got lots of spare time on your trips, huh? I'm reading
0: quite a bit on the plane now. That's good. I may go back to books. I don't know. I'm exhausting the magazines. I may go back to books. I may pick up some of Reed's recommendations. Kindle app on your phone. I like to read on my iPad, actually. There you go. I enjoy that. Uh, some people don't like it. I find if you reverse the type, it's
5: uh, it's pretty good.
0: I'm looking up my Reed recommendations here for books.
5: Is it all spiritual, um, motivational?
0: Yeah, uh, one is called Fearless. One is Heart and the Fist. He's like he's into these military ones right now. And then the only thing worth dying for. I'm not sure about that one, but those are those are Reed's recommendations. Reed's reading list. Does he have a website dedicated to that? He should, like Oprah.
5: Yeah, put it on put it on his website.
0: The RP8. Recommended reading. There you go. Volleyball Hall of Fame, coming up October 20th. Mentioned it earlier. Let's give you the rundown of who these people are that are going in. Because you're going to recognize some of these names. I mean, before previous classes, I think you might have some issues. You might not know who William G. Morgan is, inventor of volleyball. You might not have known who Francois Lebeau was. Inventor of the FIVB. Founder of the FIVB. Okay. But you might know who Peter Blanger is. Jeremy? No? Nope. Peter Blanger, long-time setter for the Netherlands. The first really big setter. Six foot ten.
5: Oh, as the setter.
0: Won the gold 1996 with that team over Italy. Five-set match. Unbelievable. Mike Dodd. You might recognize that name.
5: I do know Mike Dodd. Very famous
0: beach volleyball star. Mauricio Lima. You know that name? Sounds familiar. Setter from Brazil. Okay. The end of his career coincided with uh, or overlapped with the rise of Brazil. Mauricio Lima. Uh, Ludmila Buladakova. You might not know that one. No. From Russia. Shocker. Buladakova. Yeah. Buladakova. Jeff Stork. You know who that is? Yep. Okay. setter. Yep. Gold medalist? Yep. Coach at Northridge?
5: Okay. Okay. That's the one I didn't know. Got that part. Got everything else. Georgi Manzolavisky. Yeah, you like that I got Uh, that right. I was actually just thinking to myself, like, those are your announcer skills coming in.
0: Manzolavisky. Georgi
5: from Russia. Yep. So two Russians, two Americans,
6: a Dutch,
0: and a Brazilian guy. That's your class of 2012
5: going into the Bible Hall of Fame. And they're being an inducted when? December?
0: That will be October 20th in Holyoke Mass, where the Hall of Fame is located. So if you get a chance, go up there and see the Hall of Fame. Go to the Hall of Fame induction dinner. I think actually, actually they're doing a lunch this year. I think they're doing a, an afternoon thing. But uh, it's going to be... It's going to be good. They're going to also be inducting into the court of honor, the 1991 to 2000 Cuban women's national teams. Great run by those ladies. The William G. Morgan award and the Mid- mintonet medallion of merit will be presented. That's cool. right. Mintonet. Yeah. If you remember, that was the original name of volleyball.
5: I did not. You did not re- remember that? I didn't that? remember that, but now you okay. said I was like, Oh yeah.
0: Mintonet. Glad it changed the volleyball. I couldn't, couldn't call this the mintonette live.
5: That just doesn't flow as well. Wouldn't it (laughs) look as good on a T-shirt?
0: Yeah, we should put that on a T-shirt. We should be at Mintinet. Let's see if anybody knows. No one will know what the heck it is. Better to just put, I'm a troll. Or I got next set. I got next set, baby. I'm calling next set right now. (sighs) It's just awful. In the next set on this program, we've (laughs) made it through set number one. And set number two, we are going to have Jim Moore of Oregon, I believe. We'll have Jim Moore of Oregon joining us. His Ducks, 13-0 and 0 to open the season.
5: Do they get to wear cool uniforms?
0: Their place is pretty unbelievable.
5: Oh, I've not seen the place, but are their unis cool?
0: Nike University is, uh, is something to behold. And, yeah, their uniforms are cool. There's no carbon fiber because, remember, it's still volleyball. But they have nice clean lines. Yeah. I like the yellow and green. I'm down with it as a color combination. They have good stuff. Their shoes are yellow and green with the O on them. You don't get that at Pepperdine. You're not getting a P with a wave on your shoe.
5: I'm working the Pac-12 football championship again this year like I did last year. And last year it was at Oregon. And this year, if it's there again, because it could be because they're doing pretty well in football, I will be dominating Nike Town while I'm there. But well, like I didn't well. do it last time, and I regretted it. So if it happens again, I might come back, registered as a student at that school. Yeah. To play some sport. I don't care what it is. I have eligibility left.
0: Well I said I signed my letter of intent when I was up there. Yep. I'll be joining the women's volleyball team.
5: Mm-hmm. I'm going
0: to dominate. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to the Net Live on a Monday. We appreciate you being here. We have a couple of great coaches coming up. Jim Moore of Oregon and Mick Haley of USC. We'll have the College of Volleyball Weekly. And uh more tangents and cosigns.
1: Happy birthday, Reed. Happy birthday, Danielle. The Net Live. The best college volleyball in the country is coming to Louisville, and you'll want to be there up close to take in all the action. Cheer for every point. Witness every rally. Experience it live at the 2012 NCAA Division I Women's Volleyball Championship, December 13th and 15th at KFC Young Center in Louisville, Kentucky. Hosted by the University of Louisville and the Louisville Sports Commission. All session tickets start at $62. Visit NCAA.com slash volleyball to make a date with champions.
0: I have no idea who
5: this is, Jerry. That's fine. It's not somebody that you should know, like Stevie Wonder. Oh, because it's new? Yeah, it's new-ish, but it's not, it wasn't popular. It's not people um, It's a little dreamy. It sounds
0: like an end-of-summer song at the, at the yeah.
5: beach club. It's not... Well, how should I put this? It's not of Monsters of Men or Imagine Dragons. <laughs> so I stand no
0: chance of <laughs> yes. knowing who it would is. have no idea.
5: Okay. It's called Hit Me Like Rock by a group called CSS.
0: C-S-S. They yep. sound a little bit like Len from back in the day. Okay. You don't remember Len? Nope. Miss My Sunshine? Mm, if I heard it, maybe. Oh, jeez.
5: <laughs> Are you really bringing it here with the music? You're disappointed in me? We're, we're good.
0: <laughs> glad you're listening to The Net Live. On a Monday, Kevin and Jeremy holding down the home court. Programming note, we will not have a show next Monday. We will, in fact, have a show the following Monday, so that is the 15th of October, so a little week off for the NetLive crew and an opportunity for you out there to think about volleyball on your own. Yeah,
5: everybody can enjoy Columbus Day. Yes. You know, I never know when it's an actual holiday because I don't have a quote-unquote nine to five Monday through Friday job. People Nor do you have a child. True.
0: That also would give you a clue.
5: And people are like, oh, I have Monday off. I'm like, why? How come you're not working? Or like when I go to Costco on a Monday and it's closed because it's a holiday and I'm super bitter. <laughs> I'm like, what are all you people, why is there nobody here? You
0: would hate Europe then. You would hate, because in Europe, same thing. I don't really know all the holidays. Yeah. And they just randomly close on
5: random days. It's like on a Tuesday at 2 o'clock closed.
0: More than three times I have gone to a mall, giant store, slash someplace it took me 15 or 20 minutes to get to. And they are closed on what, in my mind, would be a normal business day. That's funny. And there's no one in the parking lot. And as you make the right-hand turn into the parking lot and notice there are no cars. Not a single one. You go, uh, this moment of panic, dread, and irritation fills your soul. And you go, <laughs> wait a minute. It's Tuesday at 4.30. What kind of random holiday is today? Is this All Saints? Is this Ash Wednesday? Uh, is this, uh, I don't know.
5: How come it's not on my eye calendar? How come? Yeah. Twitter. It didn't tell me what it was.
0: Yeah. Is this, is this the, the papal something or other? I mean, what's, what's the deal? And I've had that happen. I remember specifically in Austria, it happened to me. Bruce Edwards, Canadian guy I was playing with, uh, he and, and, uh, I think he was gone for some reason. And his wife was there with the kids and had two or three kids. And so we get the kids all packed up. And my wife wasn't there yet, so we were kind of bumming around together, all the English-speaking folks there at the Austria Trend Hotel. Mm
6: -hmm.
0: And we jump in the car. We're excited we're going to go to the the big mall and pick up some groceries and stuff and drive in. Nobody there. (laughs) Not a soul. I still don't know what holiday it was. Sometime in November. Bitter. Stuff just closed for no reason. Good times. Yeah. So So the net live closed for no reason. Yep, no reason. Won't be going to Costco on Monday. No. With the beach season having concluded, Mm -hmm. who do you think will be back in partnerships next year? We know a couple of changes already. Sean Rosenthal moving to Philip Dalhauser.
5: As reported on this show. On this show. First. first,
0: Then picked up by CNN and SI. Yes. So that's one big move. Are there other big moves in the offing? Well, Jake's got to find a partner. Okay. That'll be a big one.
5: I think Furby and Nick Lucena, they'll have different partners. I think Carrie may not play next year. So what will that do for the women's side? Will Jen and April still be playing together? Jenny and Whitney, I suspect, will still be a team unless... Unless one of the taller, higher-profile defenders calls Jenny. I don't know who would do that. I don't know if there's somebody in Jenny's radar that she would say, okay, I'm going to move on from Whitney. Here's the interesting thing about Jenny and Whitney,
0: and also Lauren and Rachel Scott. Mm -hmm. Lauren Fender, Rachel Scott. Mm -hmm. There's a bit of a division in both teams as to participation on the international tour. Yes. Whitney would like to play. Jen would not. Although they are playing in Thailand coming up.
5: And I I don't know why that is, why Jenny doesn't want to. Because volleyball is her full-time thing now. Like She plays volleyball full-time. Maybe it's the travel. I don't know. I don't know either. On the other
0: side, Rachel not wanting to play internationally. Lauren wanting to play internationally. So could we see a Lauren Fendrick, Whitney Pavlik
5: That's a possibility. I you could also see Lauren and Brooke Niles back together too. I don't think, I think that could happen again. I'm not saying it will. I'm just saying I think that if things work out or things don't work out one way or the other for people, they could be back in a partnership too. Well, that was a
0: shock for Lauren.
5: Agreed. But talk to her about it. They're still, you know, it's amicable. They don't hate each other.
0: As amicable as it can be, when you're in London watching and supporting your friends in the Olympic Games, making travel plans to Poland for an FIVB with your partner, and your partner says, "I found somebody else."
5: Yeah, they're still BFFs. Perfect. Everything's fine, Kevin. <laughs> Everything is a okay.
0: Yeah, interesting, interesting story there. So they could be, it could be back. Okay. Yeah, I mean,
5: it's, I, th- I think it's possible. I don't think it's out of the cards. But the Whitney Lauren thing internationally would be interesting. So who's the other men's team then?
0: Or a couple other men's teams?
5: Well, is Todd still gonna to play?
0: That's that's been
5: kind of thrown about.
0: Is Todd still gonna to play? I I think Todd will find himself wanting to play, probably domestically anyway.
5: I think he That'd he needs- be my
0: guess just from the end of career arc. Yeah. I think you find yourself still thinking you have the talent and why not? I could make a few bucks and more more than anything I could go out and have some fun. Do Hyde and Scott still want to play? Hyde and Scott ought to play internationally. They ought to, they ought to stop with this half schedule. I don't think. And I, and yeah. stop pretending that they're both 40 years old
5: well, or nearly. Sean is 39. John is 40. Yeah. I don't think Sean wants to play internationally. What else does Sean do? Raise his kids and live down the street from me.
0: Well, okay, but you got to keep bringing in the income somehow. Beach oh. travel hasn't been that lucrative in the last 10 years.
5: No doubt. What if Todd gets into coaching? Isn't Todd into coaching? Didn't he work for? But so I mean, like well, maybe like Beach. What, what maybe some of these guys, like Stein, is now doing some coaching on the side. Like, would they get into that? Is there enough money for that?
0: I continue not to understand the economics of that one. The players already don't have any money. How are they paying it to coaches? It'd have to be international. Players. They're simply going into deficit. You know, is going? Are they going to go the Alzina route, where you're taking over national teams and people are accusing you of being a commie? That's awesome.
5: <laughs> That's what's happened, right? I know it's but it's, yeah, you got to people've got to get paid. You yeah,
0: I don't paid. fault Jeff for it at all. Not, that was the vibe out there like, "Oh, you're yeah. you hate America." Oh god. Yeah, really? No, I like to eat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I enjoy being able to pay my mortgage. Yeah, if
5: you're not going to pay me, I need to find somebody else that will. Right. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. I think Dodd is coaching. to is coach Phil and Rosie, I believe.
0: I've heard a rumor Dodd might be coaching Gibb and his partner. No, yeah, I guess we'll. whoever his partner may be, we will find out. There's some fun rumors out there about that. That uh, there are, and I can't wait to talk about them. We will share that eventually. Yeah, but this is a secret. You're going to have to come back
5: for. Everybody is assuming that it's going to be Nick and Jake Gibb. One would one would have to switch sides. Who's going to the left? Aren't they both right-side guys? They're both right-side guys. I always say whoever's going to get the most serves needs to stay on their normal side. Because that's just, if you're hitting, you want to be on the side you feel most comfortable with. I never understood the whole right-left debate. Coming from a person who's not a professional athlete but just started on the beach, I didn't start indoor. So I would play whatever side the person I was playing with didn't want to play. So I learned playing beach on either side. Yes, it's a different approach, but I think from all the indoor people I talk to, from the time you're 12 years old, especially now, everything's so specialized, if you've always hit from the left side your entire life, to step on the sand and then try to hit from the right side, it's got to be weird. I don't care how athletic you are. Obviously, you know how to play volleyball. That's not an issue. It's, It's a slightly different mechanic.
0: I guess for me, because I played back and forth all the time. Yeah, so you right used left. to it. Yeah, of course. I mean, I played opposite, then I play outside, then I go back and play opposite, then I play... It, it makes no difference to me. Hitting the ball is hitting the ball. You close your feet to it, you get up and you hit the darn thing. And even on the sand, the mechanics are the same. You close your feet to the ball, you go up and you hit the ball. Yeah, I heard... Right or left, it doesn't matter.
5: I heard Karch didn't like playing on the right side. I know he could. I've seen him, you know, in transition balls, you have to hit from the opposite side, for sure. Well, he likes to do this. Yeah.
0: He likes even indoors. You watch him? In he indoors. loves that he loves yep. that wrist away. Yeah. That's his
5: that's his money. But he was on the he was on the left side. Some people just can't don't like the switch. Some people cannot play the other side. Just cannot play it. And I don't know what that means. <laughs> and then maybe as maybe as a blocker you feel more comfortable but you block on either side but maybe you just feel more comfortable from one side. Passing is a slightly different.
0: Yeah, it's all slightly different. But even if you if you play left side and you pass, especially if you play in that position 2 spot, you pass on the right. Yeah, twice. And well, you pass in the middle, which is many times the same as passing on the right. So if you come from an indoor system where you played outside hitter at all, you have to you have to do both. Now if you're a middle coming over to play beach, I could see it being more of an issue because you're you're limited in your passing ability anyway, so yeah. you don't want to be flip-flopping back and forth.
5: Well, and if you're a left-handed player, everybody wants you on the right side. True. So with that rationale, if you're right-handed, your strong size can be the left side.
0: They're only ever in volleyball, all my time in volleyball, I can only think of a
5: few lefties who are good on the left-hand side of the court. Yeah. I was, I was thinking about this. Which the
0: other is day. strange because there's lots of opposites who are
5: right-handed yeah, who was, are very good. exactly. I was thinking about this the other day. I don't recall a team having two, on the beach, having two left-handed players. I don't know if that's I ever happened. I can't think, I can't think of it. the
0: chat board tell us. Two left-handed players playing together. That would be cool. It would be wild, wouldn't it?
5: You'd run a lot of back sets.
0: I can think of there were some brothers back out here in Southern California. can't remember their names, but I think one was right-handed, one was left-handed. Identical twins.
5: That was a hard one but they played a partnership. Are you, are you identical if one's left-handed, and one's right-handed? Good point. So,
0: Angel Dennis from Cuba, mm-hmm. good outside hitter, left-handed. Canada had one for a while. Can't think of his name as number 10. Okay. And, oh, Ross Ballard. That's who it was, Ross Ballard, left-handed on the left side. And Washington State this past week ran a play I've never seen before. The left-handed slide. The left front, position four, slide. Okay. So they have Rachel Todorovic, who would go to the middle of the court and then slide to hit the four on the left-hand side because she's left-handed. Hmm. Never seen it. Well, and why wouldn't you run it, it sounds so you could see it more? She was about two of ten on it. So oh, they, they ran it that. that many times. Yeah, it's a regular play for them. Interesting. Yeah. So I thought that was pretty cool. I want to see more innovation in the game. I'm I'm tired of the same old game. I like that the beach players now are starting to run some different stuff. I'd like to see uh, some of these middles run quick. Go quick, Brad Keenan. Go backslide. Only man in the history of the game to hit a backslide effectively.
5: You see the backslide sometimes on broken plays. Like they have, the only way they're going to get to it is off one foot and just come around the backside and swing something. Yeah, but I'm talking as a
0: play. Brad Keenan could run the slide in college, period. Only sure. guy I've ever seen do it.
5: Run the slide.
0: Does anybody run quick?
5: Yeah. On the beach. You see, uh, you know who I know runs a lot of sets, different sets. Is Steinmetzger. Well, because he's a setter, right? You can look. But the even ball. When, even when he's hitting, though, he'll be he'll do a quick shoot set to the outside to move the block around. He'll come in strong in the middle and do the Stein pokey back to the left line. So he
0: and Mark Williams for the last three years have been sitting on the couch drawing up plays? It's exactly what they've been doing.
5: Yep. Just on a couch
0: in Hawaii at the Outrigger drawing up plays. Yeah.
5: I think you see the women run more plays or call more plays to each other before they serve than I see the men do. Why is that? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they like the more structure of it. The female I know.
0: brain has more creativity? Maybe. Men are simply... Dominant male monkeys. Set me. I'm going to hit ball hard. Urr. Yeah. <laughs> me spike ball. Me spike ball hard.
5: I have a friend that said every ball is a set. <laughs> that's Every ball. That I inc- like
0: that. That includes the serve, by the way. Because I'm not afraid <laughs> to hit anything that's on top of the net. I'm going to get hit Get out everything. of my way. <laughs> I got in lots of trouble with teammates because it was just, there's the ball. I'm going to get it. If you are beneath me, then I will step on you to go higher.
5: I was thinking about this uh, just right now. How often do you go on two indoor? If a ball
0: gets dug up on top of the tape, it'll happen. The setter will go on two?
5: No. Or like, you'll
0: just go up and swing away at it? Oh, them. yeah, like spin and turn turn and spin and hit the ball.
5: Because it's a tight... Overpass gets,
0: situation, okay. yeah. Okay, gotcha. I can think of one in Belgium in particular where I think it was in the final, That's why I remember it. And but like guys, nobody's passing off the serve. You're not No, it got on dug. Two. Yeah. No, like I, I went up to block. Yeah. I came down. Ball had been dug. I jumped back up and killed the ball on the left, all on the left-hand side. Okay. So it's, it's a weird play. Yeah.
5: But you don't necessarily need – because I think in Beach, you go – I mean, EY and Holly would go on two a lot because Holly was getting all the serves. And was, when Carrie and Misty would come on tour and a lot of the taller girls, Holly couldn't side out as right. well. Right, right. So they would go on two. They ran that. If you float serve Holly, she was setting on two every single time. Every single time.
0: Yeah, you see some of the teams with the bigger players do it. Jenny Cropp will go over on two.
5: Mm-hmm.
0: Whitney will throw the ball up on top of the tape when she has the opportunity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm a little mixed on this shooting because I've seen people do it. What do you mean? On the girls' side? Adrian Carambula did it in the finals, in whatever finals he made.
5: The shoot? Brooklyn. In?
0: No, no. Over on one. Ah. Bula was doing it. He did it like two or three times.
5: Was he mad at his partner, and that's why he was going over on one? I don't know. He how he really throws
0: getting along? Yeah, Bula could be could be the player in the worst shape to ever make a final. It's No wonder he didn't take his shirt off. I mean, he's carrying around a few extra lbs there. He... Kudos for making the finals, and your your crazy volleyball stuff you were doing with the with the sky ball and the you know little shots and the over on one, all that other stuff. Kudos to that, but, man, hit the treadmill.
5: He had a shot that I have never seen before in Huntington. It was a bump cut shot. And not only was it a cut shot, oh, but yeah. he it was back spinning. So, like, he swung his arms underneath it, so it was a cut shot, but the ball was spinning. It was going over the net, but the ball was spinning his direction, but Hayden dug it. He has like an extra toolbox.
0: I mean, some guys say, oh, he's got every shot in the toolbox or whatever, right? Well, he
5: does. I mean, he's a shorter player, so he has he has to be pretty crafty. Yeah, he doesn't jump
0: well. <laughs> I love that he said he needs to hit the treadmill. Does he not? He will never listen to the show again, though. Listen, kudos to for making the final, but no doubt. you know, you could be in better shape to be a professional volleyball player. No?
5: I don't, uh, he's a really nice guy.
0: I'm sure he is. I don't know Adrian <laughs> at all. And like I said, I admire his ball control and his creativity in the game. I admire that part. It's a different way to play the game than me spike ball, me spike ball yeah. hard. But you're right. If That's you my approach. If you're
5: to get to the next level, you need to be in good shape. Yeah. That's my it. approach. I just hit the ball hard. That's it all I'm just hit doing. hard.
0: Yeah. I, I always played beach like, like I played indoor. Just Shoot the point. ball? No. Shut up. I'm not shooting the ball. Ever. No. Clobber the ball. Beat it down your... Because I figure, okay, it's one-on-one. I never face a two-man block. Great. I own this. Yeah, I'm go I'm going to win. Good luck. Yeah.
5: <laughs> I was watching the uh the video I posted of Fenoy and Dane. It was their 12-year anniversary of them winning the gold. Yes, I saw that over Facebook. Um I have well, seen it multiple times, but I watched it again after I posted and Fenoy was saying about their strategy. I'm ju- we're just going to swing. If you block us once, two, three times in a row, that's fine. We're we're still swinging. Yeah. We're not going to shoot. We're not going to cut. I'm still swinging at you. Yeah, I I'm like awesome.
0: that. Yeah. That's a great way to play the game. It ought to be played that that way more often because it's more entertaining, period.
5: I'm not sure I ever saw Fanoy cut the ball. It's ever. more fun to watch. Mm-hmm.
0: Like Nobody wants to see Sean Rosenthal hit a really nice high line.
5: No one's interested. People want to
0: see him bounce peer and crush the ball, have it catch just the right little lump of sand and go straight up in the air. That's what they want to see.
5: A buddy of mine is convinced that Rosie's no-look down the line, behind his head, swing. Behind his, his head? He was not looking at the other. He was facing the opposite direction Okay. when he hit the ball with the back of his hand. It was a backhand spike. Okay. My buddy's convinced that that's going to become a play. No. Can't do it. Won't be a play. You know how high you have to jump to let it go over you, turn around, and then contact the ball backwards.
0: Do you know how out of position you have to be as a Absolutely. hitter? Absolutely. <laughs> And then how creative as an athlete you have to be to make that happen? Yeah. Yeah. Stupid and impressive all in the same play. And the
5: thing is, it's not like... Because you
0: blew the play, then you made something amazing.
5: The thing is, it's not like he's only done it once. You're like, oh, he's done it multiple times. Oh, so it's a play he has? Yeah.
0: Oh, It's ridiculous.
5: That is ridiculous. He probably does it down at 8th Street all the time when he's just playing with his guys. After they pick their court up and put the, the beams back in the sand? 8th Street court got sawed down.
0: Sawed down. Like I saw a photo of it like, in an act of volleyball vandalism. For sure.
5: Like it was. It wasn't 16th like 16th Street for sure. It wasn't like the pole just broke. Like it was a clean. It was a clean cut. Yeah. There was like there was a war going on in the South Bay right now. 16th Street. I'm I'm picturing like Anchorman that, that's what wars right now. That's what everybody's assuming. Yeah. That's who it was. It was the it was Huntington Beach weekend when all the Raiders were down in Huntington yep. watching Rosie and Gibbs last tournament. Yeah,
0: because I rode by on Sunday and it was in the sand. Yep.
5: Somebody literally wow. cut it down. Cut it down. Literally cut it down. We need one of the Raiders
0: to call in and tell no us about doubt. this. You,
5: know, you have anybody on the horn there on your iPhone uh, 5? Let's find out. It oh. wasn't me because I was in Huntington, so I can't be blamed for
0: that. No, you got to raise somebody up. we got to figure out who took the jaws of life down to 8th Street and cut down the Rosie's Raiders court. I love that.
6: Mm-hmm.
0: I don't like the vandalism, but I like the uh, notion of a little bit of controversy.
5: Yeah, I'm like, the Raiders can get under people's skin, I get it, but what did they do, or what did somebody perceive them to do for you to have to go cut their court down? Be themselves? I don't know. Was somebody playing on their court earlier that day, and the Raiders show up and like, get the F out of here?
0: My brother's bachelor party, we set up on 16th Street Main Court. Nice. Yeah, come and take it from us, good luck. I'm not a big
5: fan fan of this is my court whenever I want to come out, like I, like, I get it. I understand, like, yes. But, like, random Joe schmo who's coming to California for a visit and they see an open court, like, oh, I'm going to go play. And then all of a sudden the Raiders show up and they're heckling them. That's I can make for a fun vacation. <laughs> no, call next set. Yeah. And play me for it. And I think they do. I think they're pretty respectful of it, like, okay, this is actually our court. We'll play you for it. And they put Rosie and probably somebody else out there to play them for it. And that person gets crushed and they're like, all right, move on.
0: Yeah, we had a good time at, uh, at 16th. We ended up with a, a great matchup with Ack on the court and – Nice. 10 other guys that have been there every day since 1991.
5: And did any of them know you? So they know like, oh, okay.
0: I don't think so. I wasn't playing. I was just hanging out. Your knee was busted up at that point too? Yeah. No good. Sorry. My brother was jumping and banging balls, getting all all salty and bitter.
5: (laughs) His usual deal. I like it. You know this conversation started with us talking about potential teams next year.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And we're all the way on to Rosie's Raiders getting their court sawed down? Yes. That's the joy of the show, man. You just
5: never know where it's going to end up. We haven't ended up in space yet. True. But I do think that the team, there's not going to be a, on the lower side, there'll always be team changes. I think on the top side, you only have a few. I don't think it's going to be a mass, exodus, mass team change.
0: I had a thought when I was at at the match this week doing uh, SC. What happened
5: to Alex Jupiter, who announced she
0: was going to play beach?
5: I was thinking about that a couple weeks ago.
0: Where I've not heard Alex Jupiter's name since that press release.
5: She had to go overseas, right? Well, she
0: has French citizenship, so maybe she could play for France in the FIVB or something. With my peeps? We've got to figure out. Yeah, people with lots of vowels. We've got to figure out where she went.
5: Yeah, she announced on Facebook she was looking for sponsors and was playing full-time beach. Yeah. And then maybe two hours later, she listened to the show, and we said, you're not going to get any sponsors no, she you not listening. You should play indoor, and she got an indoor contract. She that's a, exactly
0: what happened. She was already a little <laughs> grumpy at me for asking her kind of silly questions at the AVCA banquet. Why were you asking her silly questions? Well, because that's part of my deal. I ask some serious questions, and I'll ask some silly stuff, and just some different stuff. I'm tired of the same old questions. Is it because she's French she didn't get it? <laughs> she's not really French. I mean, she's... She has an accent. Not a heavy one, though. It's not like... She's not. Alex like, is from France and came over here. It's not like uh, uh, Camila from Oregon. It's not like she's actually 100% Italian, you know?
5: Um, on the message board, it said that she did not play this summer and that she is engaged. That is our TMZ report for today.
0: So that's it? She's done? Hopefully not, because she's really good. Yeah, I, that's why I thought she should go and play indoor. 'Cause she is really good. Maybe she took a year off. So she's turning her gym into a room real quick here on Facebook. What does that mean? I,
5: I don't know. <laughs> and why are you stalking her on Facebook? <laughs> well, if you leave
0: your you leave your your thing open, I'm gonna look at it.
5: Uh Sorry, yeah. I'm playing the drums on your new desk. I like it. Alex, play indoor. Make she the should. money, it's there now. She should call in. Yeah, let us know what you're up
0: to. I, that would be preferable. Let us know what you're up to. It's too I'm soon, curious. Too
5: soon to do a where are they now. <laughs> <For all that laughs> Jupiter. she can give us an update.
0: <laughs> Tom Sorensen felt strange after the where are we now. Really? I've been gone that long? Uh,
5: apparently she is from France. She lived there until she was 13.
0: Okay, well then, you know, Alex speaks fantastic English.
5: Uh, and this is, I mean, this is our Team Z report from Volley Mom 1 on the chat board. T- Z? Yeah. She's engaged.
3: She I had,
5: like it. This, this is. Yeah. She's five kids now. <laughs> Honey Boo Boo. What's with Honey Boo Boo? God. I have not watched
0: Honey Boo Boo. Nope. I okay. refuse. Don't plan on it.
5: Are you going to come to more than one beach event next year, Kim? Actually, we've been talking about that. Maybe. Maybe, Jeremy. There's going to be some changes next year for sure. There has to be. In Cuervo. I think Cuervo. um, NBL going to make it. I don't have the answer to that question. Okay. Everybody needs funding. I don't care who you are. Everybody, Cuervo still needs to put up funding because IMG is not going to run it without that. AVP needs to get funding because they're, you know, Donald, I know he loves the sport and put two tournaments together this year with just his money, but he's not going to keep doing that. Yeah. Um, In the NBL, I mean, everybody needs money. And not saying that in a bad way. I'm just saying, like, you need money to run a sport because I don't – how has anybody made money? This year,
0: nobody made money.
5: Well, I mean, and nobody obviously made money before that.
0: (laughs) Nobody's made money any year. FIVB made money last year, first time ever.
5: I have to remind people that. They're like, oh, how's the FIVB so successful? It isn't. The governments pay for most of the tournaments, correct? That's the impression I'm under. Promoters
0: end up soaking up a lot of the the costs. It's the indoor money that the FIVB makes off transfer fees and okay. stuff, and sponsorships for all the international indoor events that offsets the loss.
5: But the governments—I thought the governments were involved in some way, shape, or form.
0: I mean, the the national governing bodies are paying money
5: okay. for some of this stuff, yeah. But
0: uh, the FIVB has done a good job of taking care of their business, and everyone else taking the risk in a lot of cases.
5: Was it was that last year FIVB made money for the first time, or you said this year? I no, think it was
0: last year. Gotcha. I think it was uh, 2011. I, they haven't said where they're at for this year.
5: Well, in this year, too, I think they canceled.
0: Three. Yeah.
5: Yeah. But that was they did it towards the beginning of the year. It wasn't like, hey, next week. Yeah, next it wasn't VB.
0: next week, but it, it was into the season already. Gotcha. And that was because promoters were falling off the wagon because they just didn't have the money. And And I've seen this in other sports as well where the promoter and governing body arrangement is not good for the promoter.
5: If you're in business, you're not doing things to lose money. You want to make money. Everyone has to
0: win. You can't have one group walking away with a bunch of money and the yeah. other group left holding the bag. It doesn't work, but I think that's, I think that's a little bit of what's happening.
5: Can the FIVB model work in the United States?
0: They ought to try. I don't know that it can. Because I don't know if the fan support is there. I
5: think that's the big issue.
0: If there was a Klagenfurt, maybe. But we're a long ways from having to be a Klagenfurt.
5: I think if you had an international event, it would have to be here a few years in a row like everything else. And you had USA playing... Teams from all over the world, that event would become huge. And I really think, especially if you did it, if you could do it in Southern California, or maybe because you can't do a, little, a lot of things on the beach out here, you go to like a Chicago or in the Midwest, somewhere where I there's know, a history like, of people paying for tickets. Yeah, but I think it would be big. The support we, the support the AVP had the one year they did the Brazil versus US in Glendale, Arizona, was an amazing event. And maybe it was was amazing for me because it was just something different. It was USA versus Brazil as opposed to the normal stuff that I did. But the players got into it more. Um, Phil did his Phil thing in the finals, and the U.S. was just losing their minds. It was a lot of fun. So I think that you have an entire country to root for at an event like this would help fans yeah it's different
0: i like when it's different. We need some innovation in the game in the tournaments. I don't mind Donald Sun's idea of running big court, running a different tournament format i don't mind I don't mind any of that stuff because I think it's the only way you have progress in the game. You can't keep putting the same thing out there. It's
5: not tennis, man. It's not you. <laughs> We've brought this up before, but do you think something's wrong with the game, or is it the marketing of the game?
0: Well, we've said before that changing the rules is not going to change the marketing equation.
5: It's not going to change the dollars.
0: No, but it's fun. It's fun to monkey with it a little bit and have the game progress a little bit, independent of the dollars discussion. I don't know what changes the dollars discussion. Economy. Well, and commercial. It's just it's got to be a commercial. It's got to be a cool
5: commercial. I don't know how you make it cool again. Well, I've said this before. I don't think volleyball, beach volleyball, professional beach volleyball, is a lifestyle anymore. I think surfing is. I think your little thing called motocross is a lifestyle. I don't think action sports in general. Yeah, and I think volleyball missed the boat on that. That didn't get included in the action sports.
0: And they still want to tell you they're in that conversation. I I would disagree. I would disagree. I don't think they're in that discussion.
5: And if that's the case, if it's not a lifestyle sport, okay, fine. Let's not market it that way then. Well,
0: it is a lifestyle sport, but only for a very few
5: people. Look, I play volleyball two or three times a week because my schedule permits that. Yeah, because you live where you live. Exactly. And so that's part of my lifestyle. But if I was touring the world DJing, volleyball would not be part of my life. Right. And if
0: you live in Denver...
5: You can find indoor courses and stuff like that. But what I'm yes, saying Yes,
0: you can, but it's a much bigger commitment yeah. to in the middle of winter go play in the bubble.
5: Correct. With your friends. And
0: there are plenty of people that do that across the United States and across the world that play in the bubbles in the wintertime. But it's even with that, as unique and as fun and cool as that is, that's a big commitment mentally to this is what I'm gonna to do
5: today. Well what I'm saying is like if you're if you surf, if you're a surfer, mm-hmm. Wherever you are in the world, especially if you're by the beaches or whether it's wintertime, summertime, you're going to find your way out to the surf regardless of what you do for a living. What I do for a living is very conducive to me playing
4: volleyball a lot.
5: Sure. There are guys who wear suits and ties to work every single day, but they're up at 530 to catch a quick set before they go to work. Right. That's their lifestyle. You know what I'm saying? Like regardless of what their job does, what their time changes, are like, I need to surf in some way, shape, or form.
0: Surfing is a good comparison in the, uh, in the aspect of access. You have to live near the ocean. You have to live near a place that has a break. Mm-hmm. And yet, surfing was pretty bad as a television product 10 years ago, struggling. Mm-hmm. Surfing's done a better job of Capturing some cool and innovating, re and reinvigorating their viewership. I think.
6: Mm-hmm.
0: I think they had a huge advantage in that that they're able to access the surf market, which the casual clothing and style lifestyle aspects have been huge for fifteen years. Exactly. It's a lifestyle. But it. But it is a. It is a um, a lifestyle, yes, but you can have that lifestyle in economic terms somewhere else rather than actually participating.
6: True. Kids
0: can shop at PacSun or even a surf shop. You have surf shops all over the place. They have skateboards, but you have surf shops all over the place.
5: True, very true.
0: I was at Oregon. They have a surf shop. Of course. Three cause... blocks from my hotel. They have skateboards, but they have all the same surf clothing Yeah, that you find here. Yeah, yeah, of course. A little bit more flannel. Because it's colder. No joke, more flannel. Of course, it's colder. So it, it's tweaked a little bit, but it still exists. There's no volleyball store. You're not going to a volleyball store in a mid-sized mid mid-size to small city.
5: Well, and guess 1700 on the message board made a good point. They don't show surfing live. They do online some events. But they make shows and films based on some guy's trip to Tahiti. Like a lot, like when I did the U.S. Open of Surf, there are a couple guys that are just legit surfers that don't like surfing in the competitions. They're making their money on doing, like I said, going to Fiji.
0: There's an adventure aspect to exactly. it. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Um, that does not exist in volleyball. There's no adventure aspect to it. Mm-mm. You can't take your ball and just go somewhere. Although maybe you should. I have a buddy that would take his volleyball
5: wherever he goes. And actually he does when he travels.
0: I talked to somebody a while ago and they wanted they wanted me to put together a group to go to Africa to teach volleyball. Now, not that they don't have volleyball in Africa. They have it. Yeah. But to go and kind of get into some of the communities and teach some clinics and stuff would have been would have been an unbelievable trip. I told him, put together a proposal. Never saw anything, but that happens.
5: Do you need a DJ to go? Because going to Africa is on my bucket list. No, I've
0: got... Listen, I've got a couple of ideas here. The question the question for some of my broader ideas is, again, financial. I'm not doing it for free. New. No. Sorry, I've seen a couple of volleyball films. Life of Mine, Lincoln Barnett, not, not related. Um, love his film because... He, I mean, he hit a lot of people at a young age who became big in volleyball. Mm -hmm. Uh, Love love his passion. Love what he did. Love it. I'm not going to go and do it for free. I'm not going to spend six to ten months of my life hoofing it all over the states and internationally for no dollars.
5: Or when they're saying, okay, oh, we'll pay for your trip. That doesn't pay my bills.
0: No, I've got some killer ideas. Mm Mm-hmm. But it's going to take a serious budget. And the problem with the companies in the sport right now is that they don't put out money for advertising. And, I, and I've been throwing this around, including just last night on the plane. How can I make this work? How can I make this project come to life? It's going to take dollars. How can we get those dollars out of Mizuno, out of USA Volleyball, out of Mikasa, out of Moulton, out of somebody who has the money to spend? Who would have value? Because it's not just about spending the money. It's about providing value and providing exposure for those companies. Is it rocks? Who is it You know that, that has the interest in having their name attached to my vision
5: for a volleyball piece? It'd have to be a company that's not just volleyball-associated, in my opinion. Who is that? Who's not just
0: volleyball-associated? Because i tell you what, you need me, you need a photographer, mm-hmm. a videographer, you need mm-hmm. someone to shoot the stuff, Yep. right? Yeah. You probably need another support person. For sure. And you're going to have to make, in, in my vision, you're going to have to make probably a dozen trips over a nine-month period all over the globe, globe. to make what I want to make for the sport. We're talking a budget that's probably close to $50,000 or more. Oh, easily. Easily. Where and are we going you, to come up with that kind of money? And you finding flying first class. Well, of course. I mean, everyone else in the back. But oh, I'm sure. sure. Where are you going to find that kind of money? That's In why the sport. It, that's the problem.
5: Well, that's what I'm saying. It has to be a company that is not just – they're not banking on all their sales, all their vision being in volleyball.
0: Listen, race promoters – For international motocross events, Mm -hmm. one-off events that happen every year, one-off. It's not a series. It's a private thing. They will pay start money to professional racers anywhere between ten and fifty k just to show up. So you know they're they're making that money back. Oh, for sure. And you can't do that with our sport, unfortunately. There isn't that money available
5: if you can't sell charge people admission. And a lot of it, to not, and yeah, to not even to watch professional athletes. I say this all the time. Like people would complain that the AVP wanted to charge ten to twenty dollars on stadium court. When you get to watch volleyball all day long, when you can't even get in the Staples Center, you can't even park at the Staples Center for ten bucks. Much less go in for a two and a half hour game. You could watch volleyball for eight hours for ten dollars. Good point. Ten dollars, and not only that, but it was people who used to play on the tour that said they would refuse to pay money to watch volleyball. You played on the tour, and you refuse to pay money to support the tour.
0: Cirque du Soleil, seventy-five bucks a ticket for decent tickets. Great shows. When it was held at the Forum, charged me twenty-two dollars to park. Oh yeah. I felt a little offended because they had you hamstrung. You're like, I'm not parking across the street. No, you're not. Not around here. Santa Monica, when it's on the pier, I just park somewhere else and walk
5: down. $22. Oh, have you gone to LA Live downtown recently?
0: Not without a validation. Okay. (laughs) All right, the Net Live on a Monday. We're going to continue to try and solve the world of volleyball's problems. We do have the coaches coming up. Jim Moore has been in communication. He will be out of practice at 11.30. We may have Jim Moore and Mick Haley at the same time. I want to, we'll, we'll do that. We'll have a little Pac-12 Do they like each other?
5: Can we, like, can we have them fight?
0: Are they friends? It's not like sticking a couple of scorpions in a box. No, I don't think it's going to be like that. I, I think it might be Kevin, how are fun.
5: Kevin, how are we going to get more listeners
0: if we don't do weird things? <laughs> All right.
5: Jim Moore and Mick
0: Haley, like scorpions in a box, okay, coming fight. up at 11.30. Next up, College Volleyball Weekly with Sondheimer and Rosenthal. The Net Live, right back. You don't have to find the best college coaches they find you at Spire Institute. Spire's postgraduate volleyball academy wants athletes. Spire delivers customized volleyball training and competition led by head coach John Hawks, athletic development with Michael Johnson performance and educational options all in Olympic grade facilities. There is no better way to impress college coaches and increase scholarship opportunities. Spire Institute postgraduate men's and women's programs in multiple sports. It's not taking a year off, it's adding a year to your future. Sign up today
3: at SpireInstitute.org. Volleyball Mag, the industry's number one volleyball magazine. Volleyball Magazine has been serving the volleyball community for over 20 years with the latest in volleyball news and information, product reviews, athlete profiles, fitness, health and travel related features. It's published nine times a year. Volleyball Magazine brings you the inside to the access to sports' biggest stars. Whether you're the junior, collegiate or professional level, sand or indoor, Volleyball Magazine has you covered both on and off the court. Visit us now. Do it. www.volleyballmag.com. And subscribe for one year for only $19.99. Do that now and receive a new water bottle a $49 value free compliments of our friends at Naturally Energized Water Bottle Company. Volleyball Mag, the industry's number one volleyball magazine.
0: Old music. I know that. This is old. It's not recent. This is the Motown stuff.
5: If you could name the group or the song, I'll be happy.
0: I'll be there. And the the group is.
5: I uh, know. Fantastic Five. Hold on. Am I holding up five? Am I holding? Four. How many fingers is that, Kevin? Can you need to get your eyes checked. Fantastic Four. Fantastic Four. No,
0: no. <laughs> the Fantastischen Beer. That's uh, the that's actual German group. <sighs> oh, my God. They had a cool MTV Unplugged Europe a few years ago.
5: Motown. Like, I'm holding up the I number four. four. I, oh, you're the worst. The Jackson Four. Oh, my God. <laughs> Your answer to everything now should just be Stevie Wonder. Just to see, just hoping Steve,
0: that you'll be correct. If you'll so throw far. me a carrot or something, yeah. ah. <sighs> The Net Live on a Monday. We appreciate you being here. If you want to connect with us during the week, thenetlive at gmail.com and also facebook.com and twitter.com slash thenetlive. Live. Cue some more music that I don't know so we can introduce this
5: next segment? I don't expect you to know this anyways. It's instrumental. I hate you right now. Jan Hammer. Yeah. <laughs> Act left. ZZ Top. That's what my mom always says, regardless what kind of genre of music it is. ZZ Top. In
0: association with the American Volleyball Coaches Association, the NetLive is
5: proud each week to present
0: the College of Volleyball Weekly, a recap of what was and a preview of what will be in the world of college of volleyball. It continues to be conference play for the women as we hit the middle season stride in the beginning of October. We welcome in our correspondents, our experts, if you will, Brandon Rosenthal, head coach at Lipscomb University, and Mike Sondheimer. He is the administrator extraordinaire at UCLA. Welcome, gentlemen. How you doing? Thanks, Mike, for joining us. We got you out of a meeting this week. We missed you last week and you're always uh you deal. Now let's start you out with the rankings just out from the A B C A. Penn State number one. Stay there. Oregon, number two, staying there. Then Washington, coming off a huge weekend. rises from five up to number two. Whoa, I'm reading that right. Tied for number two. At undefeated 13 No, Then Nebraska, USC, UCLA, Stanford. Mike, let's talk about Washington. USC, three-nots, Friday. And then they defeat your own UCLA Bruins. Three-two on Sunday.
7: Yeah, very impressive. They fought off two match points and set four. Krista Van Zant had a week of weeks. She should be the AVCA Player of the, of the Week. This week she was just phenomenal in the UCLA match, over 30 kills. And um, Jim McLaughlin's running a very nice 6-2 system. There are some more and more teams running 6-2 every week now. Stanford's now put the 6-2 system back in with Cook and Bugs, and I think it's a system with 15 subs that, if you got the right amount of hitters, it's really the best system to go with. And I'd like to hear what the coach has to say about that.
4: Yeah, it's interesting.
0: Uh, go to that. I don't team. like it. 15 subs. You don't like it, huh?
4: I don't like it, Only, and here's here's why I'm going to say this, though. I don't like it because I like to run the slide. So, you know, if you like to run the slide, it's kind of hard to do that with 6-2. Uh, but at the same time, yeah, I think when uh, they decided to go to the 15 subs, they probably didn't – I don't want to say they didn't think it through, but the idea of it is just – I don't know. It still boggles my mind. I'm not really – Fan of it, and I can see why uh, you know I can see why coaches are, are going to the six-two. I mean, it just why not?
7: I'm not a fan of it either. But the thing is, is that it's uh, created an advantage for the teams that can run the six-two. And if you look at the top teams, <clears throat> a lot of them are doing it, and it's really paying off. For a team like Penn State, is having you know all the different defensive players playing in the back row. I mean, their middle blocking attack this week went down again with no no errors in their match on Saturday. I think they had like 15 kills and 20 attempts.
0: Backslide X2, that's what you need to know, Rosenthal. Yes. Yeah,
4: Yeah, you don't think we've run that at all. uh, I heard
0: a rumor that Penn State thumped Minnesota three or eight?
8: Eight. Eight.
6: Eight
0: in rally score. How do you put an eight
4: on Minnesota? This is a good team. You get in the all,
7: things go.
4: Yeah, I, I was going to say, unfortunately, uh, I think we've all been there before as coaches, and it's uh, not anything that we're real happy with or uh, proud of, but at the same time, I think sometimes you get into those situations where every ball you hit gets dug, or, uh, you know, whatever happens. A girl gets hit in the head, and of course, comes back over for a point, and, uh, something like that.
0: Mike, do you think that? The whole stocks are for real. They're thirteen no. They're four no in the pac twelve. Continue to kind of roll along. Have they made the leap? Have they finally gotten from-
7: I believed in them last year. I thought they would go far in the NCAA tournament. I believe very much in them this year. Lauren Plum, I think, is as good a center as there is in the country. They've got a re- a very, very viable six-person attack the nice thing is is that they leave their players in all the way around their outside hitters are opposite they're in all the way around and they have a very steady team and i think that consistency on the court has helped them and their real test will come friday when they play at stanford i think they'll they'll handle cal cal on wednesday cal's been really up and down with some injuries but they play stanford on friday and stanford has basically four of their five freshmen playing regularly and stanford has an awesome hitting attack and it'll be a real good test
0: Brandon, there's a couple of other good victories out there. Tucky, you've talked about before on this program, had a good win. They went three up.
4: Yeah, you know, they needed uh they needed some wins and uh it was kind of an interesting matchup this last week in the middle of the week Kentucky versus Tennessee and both of them were uh kind of in uncharted territory, both of them in kind of the middle of the pack in their side of the conference and uh Kentucky uh pretty easily uh took care of Tennessee in 3, you know, at Kentucky. And uh, this has happened before, so I'll, I'll be interested to see when it flip flops and goes back to Tennessee. You know, there's been a couple times, but right now Florida's kind of running away with it, uh, uh, the SEC. And then uh, there's a team uh, out there that I think people should know a little bit about is it, that's North Carolina State. Brian Bunn has done a great job of taking over that program. Uh, they have uh, they're undefeated in conference play in the ACC. They've beaten North Carolina, who we've played and was a very, very physical team. I was very impressed with North Carolina. They've got some upcoming matches as well that are going to be interesting to see, you know, what happens when they get into the, you know, the meat of the schedule, Uh, especially with the ACC. You're talking about Miami, Florida State, you know, those types of teams. So um, I'm interested to see them. And then, uh, you know, like I said, the SEC seems to be kind of this, uh, you know, everybody's beating up with each other, just kind of letting you know, on uh <clears throat> Friday uh North excuse me on uh Friday North Carolina and uh, Florida State play and then on Sunday North Carolina State and Florida State play so uh it will be a big weekend for the ACC because they will kind of uh start to map out who's taking over the lead and whatnot. Let's give you the list here outside the top 5 UCLA 6, Stanford
0: I8 Texas not Minnesota 10 Florida Purdue, Florida State, and they go rounding 15. Now, Brandon, number 23, they took a couple of tough losses last week. They lost to St. Mary's 3 2, and also to Santa Clara 3 1. What's going on with Nina Matthews?
7: I think the conference has gotten better. I don't think there's anything wrong. I've seen their team play. I think you have to look at the St. Mary's team, which beat BYU. BYU is rolling along, playing absolutely great volleyball, and St. Mary's has a great weekend. And that conference is strong. That conference deserves at least three, if not four, teams into the NCAA tournament. Because I love I think San Diego is another team that's really, really strong. They pushed SC to five sets earlier in the year. They've beaten some teams. And I think, you know, West Coast volleyball, they're very, very strong. I think they're stronger overall than the Big West Conference, which has Hawaii. Hawaii, which blew out Long Beach three zero, and they got some decent teams. But I think the, that conference is stronger than the Big West. Diego, number
0: 16, uh, defeated Marymount 3-1 and defeated Portland
7: 3-1. Yeah, I also think
4: Pepperdine has just kind of uh, experienced some youth that they have, you know, amongst their program. I think, you know, last year was a pretty senior-laden team, and, and now, uh, you know, they're faced with – you know, trying to figure it out early on in a tough conference. So, uh, you know, you're talking about in the top, you know, let's say 35, you got uh, <clears throat> excuse me, San Diego, Pepperdine, St. Mary's, uh, and, and BYU all in the top 35. So uh, that's going to be a conference to watch, not only just uh, right now, but coming down the stretch, you know, traditionally they haven't gotten more than three teams in. So I'll be interested to in, see if they can get the fourth team, as Mike says. All right, gentlemen, what's on your
0: docket this week we're looking at coming, like
7: Well, I've got Oregon and Stanford on Friday. I've got Penn State and Illinois on Saturday, Minnesota at Nebraska on Sunday, and Kentucky at Florida on Sunday. Those are the, the four best matches, I think, that really have impact on the top 20 teams. I think the first 10 is pretty good right now, and the next 10 is pushing in, but I really think if Florida Mary Wise done an outstanding job bringing that team along, and they should be able to handle Kentucky on Sunday, and that will solidify them as a team that's on the uprise.
4: You know, I, I'm in the SEC, I've got uh, Florida at uh, or, excuse me, Arkansas at Florida. Uh, that should be really interesting. Uh, Arkansas with Robbie Palooza uh doing a nice job there they're sitting at four and one thirteen and three overall uh but this will be interesting to see they've already lost to Florida earlier in the year uh fifteen thirteen at home uh so this will be interesting to see if they can uh kind of avenge that loss and really start to stake claim in the uh s e c because they've been on the outskirts of the s e c uh for years now uh since uh chris Poole left so this could be a real interesting case uh, to see if they can sneak back, or not sneak back in, but get into that group of Florida, Tennessee, Kentucky uh, year after year that uh, have kind of uh, made a statement going into the tournament.
0: Speaking of sneaking, Mike, for me, Nebraska is kind of sneaking around. I don't hear too much pub about individual players. I mean, maybe it's just my insular environment here in the Pac-12. I I don't hear a lot of talk about Nebraska's team, but you look at them, they're 11th, they're the ranked fourth in the nation.
7: They're, they're solid. Their block has really improved. Lauren Cook does an excellent job of setting. And I think right now they have to beat some better teams in the Big Ten Conference, but they have a chance with the regionals being at Nebraska-Omaha. I've had them as a team that would make the volley four before the season at Louisville, and I still haven't changed my mind on that
4: not to mention they've got a big match and I think Mike touched upon this Nebraska at Purdue Purdue is one of these places right now that is doing an unbelievable job of not only packing the house but creating an atmosphere so uh, that's a match that I'm really really looking forward to seeing that's on Friday Um, you know this last weekend Purdue played Illinois in front of a packed house I think it's uh, twenty eight hundred thereabouts uh, in their uh, their gym, and it gets loud there.
7: Yeah, they've got a ho- they're also hosting the regionals, so this is a big match for them for national seating. I mean, we're only in start of October, but seating's become so important as you maneuver. I think there's really twenty five teams to thirty teams that could be in the final sixteen, and I really think you know looking at the the bracketing and looking at the regionals and the seatings, it's just so important that you get the right kind of matchups.
4: Not to mention, Purdue is, you know, on that outside looking in of that top ten. So, uh, And they're having a great season. They're sitting at 13th in the country right now, but 13-2 uh, and two overall with losses to Washington and Louisville. Not bad programs there. And then uh, 4-0 in the Big Ten with wins over Michigan and Illinois. So this will be a big week just to see what they can do and then follow it up with next week. They've got uh, Penn State and Ohio State as well.
7: Yeah, and it's one thing about Oregon being number two. Oregon beat Oregon State, crushed them, and Oregon State beat Penn State. So if you look at the strength of the the Pac-12, Arizona State, very fine team, that they gave Stanford a run for four games, and they also beat Cal last week. So I think the, the Pac-12's got six in the NCAAs, but they're pushing for seven or eight.
0: Yeah, the associative property of volleyball certainly at work there. Gentlemen, thanks very much. Any other notes that you need to get in that we've missed?
7: I think I've heard some really good Pac-12 announcing lately. Some play-by-play has been really good from some of the outside areas. So I think that Pac-12 announcing has gotten really good. A couple of them.
0: Man, I didn't know you. The US is Mike.
7: Try oh. so to pick up a couple minus things. You can, yes.
4: <laughs> I was going to say
7: minus the Washington
4: State USC match, right? Uh,
7: that was quick. I mean, it's nice the announcers can get you off the air that quick.
4: <laughs> Gentlemen, thank you very much for your contribution. We will
0: talk to you in two weeks on this program. No program this week.
7: Okay. Thanks. Have a good one.
0: All right, Mike. Take care. And Brandon Rosenthal checking in for the AVCA College of Volleyball Weekly. Hey, we have a couple of guys coming up next. We have two guys in there. We're going to come right back in about 15 seconds, compose our thoughts, and it's going to be uh, Scorpions in a Box.
4: Awesome.
1: The best college volleyball in the country is coming to Louisville, and you'll want to be there up close to take in all the action. Cheer for every point. Witness every rally. Experience it live at the 2012 NCAA Division I Women's Volleyball Championship, December 13th and 15th at KFC Young Center in Louisville, Kentucky. Hosted by the University of Louisville and the Louisville Sports Commission. All session tickets start at $62. Visit NCAA.com slash volleyball to make a date with champions.
0: Kevin and Jeremy holding down the home court. Thanks very much for tuning in on a Monday. Remember, show note, we will not have a show next week. We will have a show in two weeks. Hey, we have a couple of guys on the line, and I'm going to bring in one. Then we're going to bring them both in, and then we're going to talk to the second one uh, afterwards because it's a scheduling problem created by me. Let's uh, let's talk to Jim Moore first. This man is a coach at Oregon, the Ducks. And I don't know how you ever lose a recruit. We're going to ask him because the Ducks facilities and what he's doing in that program is simply amazing. He's in his eighth season up there in Oregon. Simply amazing what he's done in Eugene with the program. They are off to what I believe is their best start ever at 13-0. and Welcome in Jim Moore to The Net Live.
8: Coach. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me.
0: Coach, thanks for joining us. And uh, just on your on your season this year, is it too early to get excited about the Ducks?
8: Uh, well, I hope it's never too early to get excited about us. <laughs> um, you know, it is. It's a long ways to go, though. I mean, it, it's we're going to find out this weekend or this week, I should say, what it's all about because it's uh, you know going to Cal and Stanford. That's I, I think it's the most difficult. I, you know, I know the S C U C L A trip is ridiculously hard. Uh, but Stanford has so much support that you know they they fill it. I I I think the Cal Stanford trip is perhaps even you know on a consistent basis is perhaps even more difficult than the SC UCLA weekend you've ever had at w- anywhere. I mean maybe at least in the Pac-12. Um, so we get to have that one. So I, I <laughs> it's just not very much fun. That's all I got to say. And this year we don't have to take the SC UCLA week, we you know, we only had to go two SC, so for sure, this is um, our toughest road week of the year, that's for sure.
0: Uh, Elena Bergesma and Arana Williams, I think, are guaranteed to get their kills. I mean, people feel they're pretty pretty legit. It seems to me with you guys, it comes down to your other two outside hitters, Liz Brenner, sophomore, and then Catherine Fisher, kind of the uh, the mainstay of your program, only ever missed one set in four years. But it seems like those two players are the key to whether your success continues or not. Is that accurate?
8: Yeah, I do think that's real accurate. And, you know, a lot of it has to do um, with the way we pass. And those two obviously have a lot to do with the way we pass. And so it's, you know, if we pass, Lauren, you know, can get them the ball in the places that allow them to be successful. I mean, there's no lie that... When we recruited Catherine, everybody was well. She's too small. She's too this. She's she's just not enough for a then Pac-10, now Pac-12 team to be real successful. And I, I, I have been told <laughs> thousands of times, I think, that you'll never win big as long as Catherine Fisher is on the floor. And I just have a real hard time believing that uh, we, you know, we can't go head to head and we can't, you know, set the ball high to the ceiling and expect her to put it on the floor, but she knows the game so well and she plays so hard um, that she just does so many good things that it's impossible to keep her off the floor.
0: We're going to talk to Mick Haley here in just a moment. We're going to bring him on with you and talk to some, some broad PAC 12 topics in just a second. In talking with him about his setter, Haley Crone, he's talking about where they're at in her development were you at a similar point with Lauren Plum a year ago? Was it a make or break? Did you feel like her play uh, was really critical to your success or failure and you didn't know what you were going to get night to night?
8: Yeah, I, I mean, for sure it was a year ago. I, you know, and she just was learning. I mean, she's uh, she has to, she's always been incredibly athletic. She's always been incredibly successful. She's Things have gone her way. Uh, and she had to learn that it's she had to do maybe in her case maybe less and that's what she had that's a difficult thing to do um, you know it's pretty funny because Kevin Wong was watching her the other day and he said oh I just love her she's she's out of control and you know she, she just can fly all over the place and, and she can and she can do all those things but those can also bring you some issues that become problems and she had more of those last year, and she's limited those to where she's not trying to make the extra play. She's just trying to get us a good swing, and I think she's learned. As, you know, Bill Neville said to me, maybe the first thing he ever said to me about a setter was, the most important thing is to get a good swing. And Lauren wants to do that. She's worried about, you know, trying to have the middle blocker go, oh, shoot, I'm going the wrong direction. And she's more worried about that than getting the good swing. And she's been much better at that this year.
0: You're one of those coaches that works with his spouse. And we (laughs) we talked about this. Your wife, Stacey Metro, is on your staff. We we talked to, uh, last night, Jen Greeney and Burdette Greeney about their I guess cohabitation, both at work and at what's
8: the good and bad for you with Stacy? How to think about the good? No, I'm kidding. The, uh, you know, the, I guess the, the the best thing, without question, is that you know there's a trust factor there uh, that you you don't even have to think about, and it's. Um, you know, you know, there's there, there's no hidden agenda for obvious reasons. There's no there's nothing of those kinds of things, and so um, there's no dancing around issues. Which goes to the bad thing is there's a complete trust factor and no hidden agenda. So anybody that knows my wife and my wonderful wife had to set today in practice, and she hasn't had to do that for a long time. And all the players went, "You have got to be kidding me." Um, she's about as competitive as they come, and she was screaming bloody murder on every call, and it's and that's the hard part is that she is as competitive as they get, and so she <laughs> she has a tendency to say things to me because she doesn't have to worry about it that she wouldn't say to anybody else. So those are just things we have to to deal with.
0: Oh, excellent! No filter at all. Hey, none. <laughs> the conversation out of this, but I want to know before we bring him on, how do you ever lose a recruit when, when you sit them down in front of one of your locker rooms and you get a chance to look at the TV and mini-Mac that's going to be in your locker? How do you ever lose a recruit to anybody?
8: It's a good question, but, you know, it's still, you know, I'll still say this. We're um, Especially we recruit a lot of Southern California kids, and so, you know, I grew up in Southern California, so I know what the SCUCLA brand and name means, and those kids want to go there. The biggest problem we have is just getting them to come take a visit. Uh, that's the biggest thing. We haven't been a top program, and we haven't been at the top like SCUCLA, Stanford, and even Cal lately. So it's we, we've we joked at times that if we were if on top of Mount Shasta – and we were the University of California Shasta, um, people would come. <laughs> but it's really hard to get kids to uh, just come take a visit. If we can get them to come take a visit, you know, they generally they love it. Uh, but it's I think it's a little different. I mean, everybody thinks that Oregon, it rains every day and it does this and that, and we've had absolute perfect weather the entire months of June, July, August, and September. But everybody thinks that it rains every day, and it doesn't do that, and it's hard to change that. But once they get here, um, we've been pretty successful in terms of getting them.
0: All right, Jim, I want you to stay on the line. We're going to try something new here. I want to introduce okay. one of your Pac-12 competitors. A man in his 12th year picked up his 298th win yesterday against Washington State in Pullman. In his 30th year as a head coach, you know him from the women's national team and his days at Texas before that. He is the coach of the USC Women of Troy. Please welcome back to the program, Mick Haley. Mick.
2: Hey. Thank
0: you for joining us. Sorry to you guys over the top, but I think this gives us a chance to talk about some broader issues, and while I have you both, I want to do that, and then uh, Jim will have you drop off and we'll talk about his team in particular, but I, I want to start with uh, Mick, but then Jim, you go ahead and go right afterwards about the level of Pac-12 volleyball, it seems like the parity that's being created is because everyone is raising their level, and the overall abilities of athletes and teams is rising, and the game is going to uncharted territory.
2: Yeah, I think it's sensational this year. Um, we've really, uh, really experienced some uh, additional uh, following with all the TV uh, coverage so far, and the games have been uh, excellent. The ones that have been out there, but. Uh, we've been been having this kind of of competition for the last four, five, six years, and it just keeps getting better. And I think I told you when we were talking, um, it's amazing how well our coaches in the conference prepare their players for each match. Uh, With this television coverage now, I think the players out there are going to see that the Pac-12 is is the conference they want to play in if they really want to test themselves because uh, night in and night out it is an amazing uh, level of uh, competitiveness and athleticism.
0: Jim, does it make it even harder for you to to rise up when you see the other teams that are already above you then raising their level even more so you have double the work to do?
8: Yeah, it, it's it's been incredibly difficult and you know it, it makes right it's there has been you know the competition level is so difficult the coaches in this conference are almost obscene how good they are and and you stop and you go, you go down right down the list of every coach that's in this conference it's it's unbelievable i mean you here you have two national team coaches in it you you have other people that probably could have if they would have wanted to do that uh, er, everywhere from Mick to John Dunning to Jim McLaughlin to uh, it, it's Dave Rubio. Dave Rubio's is an unbelievably good coach. Uh, Rich is great. Uh, it, it's and then Mike comes in and you know takes over a program where he was, and obviously Mike's a great coach. It, it it is beyond my imagination that how difficult it is just to try to stay with the coaches that are in this conference. It's very very difficult.
0: Jim, with the changes to the schedule for television, what have you had to do differently with your program? Because playing at 1130 on a Sunday or some of the other odd times you have on Wednesdays isn't what you guys did before.
8: Yeah, it, you know, we just have to learn to adapt. I, the one thing that I've tried to do over the last couple of years is to play uh, midweek matches and do those things. It it, it wasn't in preparation for this because none of us knew that it was coming, But we have been a little bit prepared. So we have to play Wednesday, Friday this week, for example. So we have played a few midweek matches just to – I think it's good for marketing for the game. And then, of course, TV thinks that as well. So that's why we are doing so many of these midweek things. Um, The Sunday thing has happened in the past because of football conflicts. And so we've been a little bit prepared to that. But it's been great just to have – all of the exposure we've had with TV and you guys have done a great job I think with broadcasting it and we have we have good people who are broadcasting it and the games are played at a high level and and it's it's just been a lot of fun and it's it's been good.
0: Mick, do you think the coaches in the Pac12 get it? Do you think they understand the benefit of making the changes necessary to accommodate the TV?
2: I think the jury's still out. I, I think there's a knee-jerk reaction by some coaches that, oh, wow, this is not fun. And I, I guess I could agree it's not fun necessarily because you, you get comfortable. You like to be in a routine, and you like to have a routine to prepare your team. I think the thing it does do is it makes us better coaches because it gets us out of our comfort level, and we have to figure out different ways to prepare and bring the material for the team in shorter time blocks sometimes. And then we have to fill empty time blocks, which probably people haven't thought about. But, uh, for instance, we'll go to – Jim's getting ready to make this uh, Stanford and Cal trip. But we're we're making the Stanford Cal trip in two weeks, and we go Tuesday night, play Stanford on a Wednesday night. We're off Thursday. We play Cal at 8 o'clock on Friday night. Uh, I mean, that's a tremendous amount of time off. And we can't come back home and then go back up. So we're gonna fill that with studying with with other boys, uh and and try to figure out how to keep the kids in some kind of daily routine because they'll tell you uh if you just let them, they'll just lay around all day long because uh they don't get time to themselves very much during the season. I know that's very difficult to keep your intensity to play. So we're trying to experiment with these routines. And so I think I think the long the short of it, I'll be able to answer that at at the end of the season to tell you but Basically, when you force the coaches to be creative, it usually is always good.
0: Yeah, it's not that like you're running a professional team at that point, having to manage all that off time and come up with a schedule that works for your athletes. Uh, Coach, I want to ask you, Nick, again about uh, critiques of the sport. On this show, we've talked about the that a lot of people in the sport are not used to someone else talking about them, second-guessing them talking about strategies or what should have been done, what could have been done, and that's been a little bit of a rub. Do you think with the increased television exposure it might rub athletes or coaches a little bit the wrong way to hear themselves criticized or second guessed on national T V?
2: Yeah, yeah, I think I think that will happen too. Uh, when I was national team coach though so, uh uh even at the Olympics, the announcers uh <laughs> and it's actually Chris and Paul, um we're talk, talking about our defense, and not, never once did they come and ask me why we were playing the defense we were playing and that sort of thing. So I hope these people will not, uh, the, the broadcasters, will not just come up and,
8: and uh,
2: from their experience try to tell you that somebody should be doing this or should be doing that because each team, and, and the coaches have a definite reason why they're doing what they're doing, and the players usually are following the directions of the coaches in most cases. So each team is, is um, manuscript their their uh, their play trying to max out all of their players and get the the most point scoring that they can uh I think as uh, we get to trust the announcers more and more, we'll probably share some of those things as long as if they don't give out secrets that will benefit the opponent uh but I think there will be a, an edge I, I i you know we've experienced that a little bit before uh. Uh, with Coach, when he was uh, first breaking in, uh, he saw the game one way, and that's why he was successful. He played it that way, uh, and there were never any questions. Well, once you get to be a coach and he's going to find this out, there's a lot of different ways to play the game, and it's just about maxing out. So it would be interesting to see uh, how we all respond to that.
0: Well, i say there's nothing worse for me, Coach, than to hear a coach say, well, don't say this on air. Well, okay, then don't <laughs>
3: <laughs> tell you.
0: <laughs> if you tell it to me, it may end up on air. It may not. Hey, uh, I agree. In the interconnected world that we're increasingly living in, are the players aware of the TV coverage, and how much do they watch? And, and, again, setting up that situation of maybe they're hearing some stuff about themselves or their team they don't necessarily want to hear or would upset them.
2: Um, that's a good question. Uh, right now I don't think they're watching, but I think they will, and I think their parents will, and then they'll tell them. Uh, or, or in some cases, not. You know how this works. I yeah. mean, it, it goes right down through the family, and somebody gets irritated, and then they start talking, and it gets back, and then the the player has to go and watch. And uh, I purposely though gave uh, gave one of my players a copy of the UCLA match because the announcers gave her some nice credit for the way she uh, did her craft out there on the floor and i wanted i wanted her to hear that uh, i wanted her to to feel uh some additional comp- confidence from people on the outside so you can use it both ways
0: jim are your players watching
8: yeah i i'm encouraging them to watch and you know it's interesting i i as long as somebody's not saying an inaccurate thing, which is, you know, that's going to happen every once in a while. That somebody said I said something or something, which has already happened. But I'll deal with that in a different way. I, you know, that's life. I mean, we're not used to it because that's not the sport. But boy, you know, in football, people are yelling at them all the time on what they should be doing, and we just have to trust ourselves and know. And I, I like the idea that the announcers can say X, Y, or Z about the players, and the players have to learn the same thing. They're going to have to learn that, you know, we need a little bit thicker skin, and and if they're correct, then fix it. And and it's kind of nice sometimes because usually it's the same thing we're talking about, um, and so they need to fix those things. And it's it was actually real good. I, I we. Both with you and then with Paul the other day talking about Lauren Plum that that they said some things that I had been absolutely telling her and I told her to listen to it and watch it and she did that so um, I think it's real good I I you know I I, I don't want to say that any uh, publicity is good publicity but you know I think the more we get exposed it can only be good for the sport
0: if you're looking for an opinion Paul is your man he is not afraid <laughs> with his opinion out there.
8: He is not afraid to give his opinion, that's for sure.
0: Uh, Jim, there's another question. How much volleyball do they consume outside of whatever you're giving them? How interested are they in the sport?
8: Boy, that's a great question. You know, I I don't know how to really answer it. Uh, you know, I remember all the, all this talk asking me one time early. I mean, it was a long time ago. this asked me, so when do your players play on their own? And I laughed out loud, and and he's like, "What are you laughing at?" And I'm like, "Are you kidding, Aldi?" I go, "They're not us," and because I, I knew what he was doing. That that's you know, we played all our time all the time on our own, and that's how I learned how to play. And most of us, that's how we learned how to play. They don't do this. They don't do it on their own. And so uh, I think the more they do do it, the better. And and I wish they would watch more of it on their own. I. I I think my players are are doing as probably as much as anybody in terms of trying to watch the extra things. There's a whole bunch of them that don't even have cable TV, however.
0: <laughs> well, it, I mean, it, it, you up there? Yeah. No, just kidding. Yeah. Uh, Mick, back to you with that similar type question and your players. How How much are you encouraging them to watch stuff outside of it? What are they consuming instead of volleyball?
6: If well, I, ha-
2: I have to tell you that our players don't have hardly any time to themselves, um, and the key for us is to bring the volleyball that we need to bring to them to them without increasing the time commitment, and we have to do that in a very very uh, special way because our athletic director uh, is really encouraging athletes to take full advantage of the entire USC academic situation uh we attend uh extra lectures uh they're involved in other clubs Uh, they're doing all of this uh i don't think they're watching very much and i haven't encouraged them quite honestly because i don't want them to feel like the coach is uh trying to get them to do more volleyball what i want is their best effort in the time that i have them Uh, but it'd be a good question for me to ask them uh today so um I'll, I'll check that out and see. I think, like I said, they're getting more information from their parents who watch every living minute
0: of it. Hey, Jim, I'd say goodbye to you, but thanks very much for being on, and congratulations on your run here at Oregon. I'll see you on Wednesday, and I think I actually talked to you later today about your team in preparation for that match with Cal, and thanks very much for appearing on the show today. Okay,
8: thanks so much for having me. Thanks. Jim Jim Take more. Care,
0: and thanks for not fighting like scorpions in a box. <laughs> thanks for being friends with each other.
6: <laughs>
0: All right, Mick, let's continue with you. And, and about your team, I got a chance to see you guys play in person yesterday, which was a lot of fun. And you had talked about, when we spoke the night before the match, about this being a young team and you having to earn your money. I can see that uh, at times. <laughs> oh,
6: did
0: we lose Mick? Did I lose you? Did I lose you? Oh, no, I, I think you're back.
2: Okay, sorry. Oh, yeah, I, I said, can, I, can you hear me?
0: Yeah, so I can hear you now.
2: Yeah, okay. Yeah.
0: No, but you're, you're, a, team, you're a young teammate, and it seems like you guys are going to have to take your lumps on the court for a little bit just to learn.
2: Yeah, I think I have to be pretty patient with that. Uh, I really felt uh, in the Washington match and even in the Oregon match um But more so in the Washington match, the two matches we've we've lost so far this year, the Washington match was very winnable if we could have played the game uh, a little bit better, Um, meaning choices, meaning all kinds of things. Uh, The Oregon match, uh, I don't know. I think we we had a hangover from the UCLA uh, victory, and that's college sports, I guess. But I have to be very patient with several of, of these young players and they're trying so hard. I have to tell you how appreciative the coaching staff is for their their effort and their concentration and all the things that they try to do to, to do what we ask them to do. So um, even their preparation has been exceptional.
0: It seems like there's some changes in the game afoot, in particular with jump serving. I, I saw Haley Krohn hitting a good jump serve and Brizio hitting a great jump serve that scored a lot of points and keyed some runs for you guys are you able to teach that skill differently than other programs or are the kids learning it now at the junior level and coming to you with more tools than before?
2: You know, um, that's, that's a very interesting question. I don't think we're ahead of the game in teaching it, but I do think we look for that mental aptitude, that attacking act- aptitude. And if they had that and, and their previous skills match up to it. I think we encourage them to, uh, to go for it. You know, this game is still about velocity and reaction time. And, uh, velocity is a good thing. Uh, the more you get of it, the harder it is on, on the defense. And then how you use it, of course, uh, is, uh, is important. But, uh, with Yoder, with, uh, Krone, and, uh, all always had, the uh, top spin serve, but uh, the national team coaches in Mexico wanted her to go to a jump float. So uh-huh. you know, she had been working on the jump float, and you saw her starting to come back to a top spin this weekend. Uh, that wasn't something that we uh, anticipated she would do. She did that on her own.
0: Yeah, she was hitting almost a half and half. The ball kind of looping at times. Not a true topspin serve. It mystified me why you would take an athlete like that and take her away from a jump serve. That seems like an odd choice by the Mexican national team.
2: Uh, I think I think she was missing too much. Uh, I think they weren't willing to go through the pain of the uh, misses. You know, when you watch the men's teams in early January, sometimes they have 28 missed serves. It's the worst thing ever watching. But uh, by April, they're hammering it. So, uh, you know, there, there's a, certainly a learning
0: curve for that. Yeah, and then it's tough to watch on the other side because it's all about aces and bad passes. You're right about the uh, effect of that on the game for sure. Yeah. But yeah. about Samantha Brizio and, and your recruiting of her, did she come to you? Did you go to her? Of course, at 16, she was the youngest player ever in the history of the Mexican senior national team. Uh, how did the recruitment of that player come about? Well, we actually
2: didn't didn't really know about her. Uh, we found her in Arizona at the high-performance uh, international uh, competition in the summer. Uh, she was just a very pleasant surprise, and certainly uh, athleticism uh, was exceptional. Um, so we, we started to pursue it a little bit. We had great success with uh, kids from both sides of the border, uh, both from Canada and from uh, um Mexico with Viviana Candelis. And so uh, we decided to look into it more. The more we looked into it, the more we found out she was uh, a very academic uh, young lady and the family, uh, a great family, uh, good values and uh, had serious concerns about her education. And uh, her mother coached her, so she has great skills.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I know your mother, her mother said, teach her to block. That's what you told me.
2: Yes, that's, that's, that was the parting words. teach her to
0: block, yes. <laughs> that here on the so. Volleyball Magazine website. We were talking to head coach at USC, Mick Haley. Mick, the early part of the season, you, you told me you're playing for December. So obviously there's a lot to work on with your young team and, and a lot of fabulous athletes with tremendous potential. But where does your biggest focus lie right now? If you had to pick one topic that you guys are on more than any other with this group.
2: Well, so I think I think there's actually two. One is improving our defense at the net. Um, we feel like we've got a good edge on the serving and passing. In, however, that kind of comes and goes sometimes. But I feel pretty confident that when when it really counts, we'll be really good in those two areas. I really feel that the net uh, defense needs to improve drastically, and we're working night and day with that. I also think we need to have a bench. Uh you spoke about the athleticism. We have some great athleticism on our bench and I need to get that athleticism uh harnessed so that it can come in and play on any given night. That would give us that would give us coverage for anything that could possibly happen. And I, I would feel very really good about going into December if we could do those things.
0: Yeah, it's not just about the six or seven players who start. There's a lot more to a team than just those guys, not only during yeah. the match, but also every day in practice, it would be nice if both sides were competitive, I imagine.
2: Yeah, side B is side B is the key to our success because if side B will absolutely take it to side A every day and that we preach that all the time. And that was the mantra of that 2002 and 2003 teams, we had two teams that were just, kill each other every day and take pride in it. Uh, if we can get that, and and we have that right now, we just need to have Side B be a little bit better in the volleyball part of that. So, athletically, we're, we're doing real well there.
0: Coach, we really appreciate the time. We'll get you out of here on this. What innovations do you think are coming in the game? How is the game changing? What, are the, what do the next five years hold for women's collegiate volleyball?
2: Well, it seems to me that there's been such a uh, gravitation to three people doing all the scoring, um, the three pins, that you're going to see different systems. Uh, I don't think you can count on the 15 subs staying, at least I hope not. Uh, I think we'll probably revert back to 12. But I could be wrong about that because uh, the middle group of the teams in the country it doesn't seem to get it yet, but this just makes the richer, rich rich, the rich richer. So uh, maybe when that when that really gets focused, where people see how that works, that they won't want that. Uh, but I think you're going to see probably six-two uh, systems with two setters, uh, three attackers in the front row all the time, and an attacker coming out of the back row, or maybe even two attackers coming out of the back row. Uh, there's a lot of different things that are happening, but uh, um, the blocker has virtually disappeared in the college game, uh, not as a blocker, but as an attacker. And I, I think I think you're going to either have to see that reappear, or you're going to see more and more back row attacking also, uh, kind of like the men's game has gone to. Uh, but that's going to take some pretty good athleticism, and I think you're going to see the teams be bigger. The teams that win, are all going to be much bigger. Um, we have two six five middles. uh UPLA has two six five left side and six five right side or six four right side. Um, to stay up with that, you're either going to have to have better ball control um and athletic players or you're gonna to have to have size to slow it down and, and having less than twenty hours a week and having only six weeks of twenty hours a week in the spring uh, makes it very difficult to improve those skills at that level. So I think you're looking at big and better. All
0: right. You have to recruit what you can't teach. That's size. Thanks, Coach. <laughs> Appreciate
2: the time spent
0: here on the show. Always good to hear from you, and uh, we'll keep following along through the season. Talk to you again.
2: Hi, Kevin. Thank you. It was a lot of fun this weekend. Thanks again.
0: Good stuff. We'll see
2: you again soon. I'll
0: see you on Sunday. All right. All right. Yes. Got ben- it. All right, Mick Haley, head coach USC Women of Troy, along with Jim Moore. I like that having them both there, kind of interesting to get them go back and forth.
5: And they weren't scorpions.
0: No, they weren't. They weren't scorpions. Yeah, we had to put them in a box to make them fight. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think what you find is that uh, there's a lot of professional respect, of course, between the high-level coaches in this game, whether it be Pac-12, Big Ten, uh, wherever it, wherever it may
5: be. One, well, I like how they both said. It wasn't like, oh, playing for my school is the greatest. They're like, playing for the Pac-12, Pac-10. whatever I can't I get confused now if it's what's college Pac-12? Pac-12. Yeah. Thanks. Um, playing for that conference, you know, is a big deal, and you're a good player if you do.
0: Well, I kind of set Jim up with the how do you ever lose a recruit? Well, I mean, the answer is that the school is not right for everybody. We're not just talking about uh, your locker room. It's it's more than that for the college experience. Obviously, we know that
5: that's a big deal
0: though. I'll tell you what, if you are a pure athlete and you're going there for athletic purposes. When I chose my school, look, I went to Pepperdine because Marv Dunphy was there. Mm I didn't care about the locker room. Locker room stunk, by the way. And Oregon makes makes Pepperdine look like a bad middle school when it comes to facilities. And I'm not exaggerating. Pepperdine's facilities are a joke compared to that type of school. Obviously, two different levels of athletic support when it comes to uh, outside dollars and also football. But I chose my school because Marv Dunphy was there. And that was that philosophy, that man, the teaching that was possible in that program is what I needed. And so but I'm unusual because I figured I was going to the next level. That was my plan all along. So many kids make the choice for the right reasons. That is the school. What does the school offer me? Does the school match me? Not just the volleyball program. So Eugene versus Los Angeles versus Stanford versus Arizona uh you know Arizona State or Arizona w- whatever the the places are it's a different choice for kids based on the school the location the people so many other things outside of just volleyball
5: well and when you think dominant volleyball schools Oregon's not one that you think of as of right now but they're building that program they're on their way yeah
0: they're on their way 13 and 0 and the victories they've had the facilities they have and and not that not the attraction factor we've talked to, but the training factor yeah. of what's available to ma- maximize not only your athletes who are there to be maximized, but maximize your players who are there for the school, who are there for a, a volleyball experience that will not translate into a professional career.
5: And if you got cool uniforms, that's going to go a long way. I'm telling you, yeah, I like cool. to look
0: good uniforms when are cool. I'm
5: performing, Kevin. Uniforms are cool.
0: Big thanks to Jim Moore of Oregon for calling in. Mchaley of USC for calling in. We sure appreciate them. And also, Our correspondents, Mike Sondheimer and Brandon Rosenthal, for being part of the program. Again, we are going to take next week off. Enjoy the Columbus Day holiday if you are fortunate enough to have that. And if not, then, hey, keep on working. And we'll talk to you the following Monday from the home court. Hopefully we'll have McGee back in. If you get the Time Warner Network, you can check out Chris McGee going on today on his new job. And Reed Pretty will be
5: out of the country by then. Will he be screening phone calls for us again?
0: Uh, Maybe. Cool. Maybe from Ankara, Turkey. So you yeah, I forgot you talk the to, time difference. Talk to Reed Pretty. Nine. Nine or ten hours, something like that. Perfect. So happy birthday, Pretty. Happy birthday, Daniel Scott Ahuda, two-time silver medalist. Good show, Jeremy. Good times, Kevin. Lots of fun. Yep. We hope you had lots of fun, and we hope you tune in in two weeks for lots of fun. Remember, you can get it on iTunes, the NetLive Blog Talk radio feed. Look that up in iTunes. You can get each one of our shows. Anytime you wish, or email us, NetLive at gmail.com and facebook.com slash thenetlive, twitter.com slash thenetlive. I'm Kevin. He's Jeremy, the man with the blue watch and the sweet tattoos. We'll talk to you in two weeks.
3: Volleyball Mag, the industry's number one volleyball magazine. Volleyball Magazine has been serving the volleyball community for over 20 years with the latest in volleyball news. And information, product reviews, athlete profiles, fitness, health, and travel-related features. It's published nine times a year. Volleyball Magazine brings you the inside to the access to sports biggest stars, whether it's at the junior, collegiate, or professional level, sand or indoor. Volleyball Magazine has you covered both on and off the court. Visit us now. Do it. www.volleyballmags.com and subscribe for one year for only nineteen ninety nine. Do that now and receive a new water bottle forty nine. Dollar value, free compliments of our friends at Naturally Energized Water Bottle Company. Volleyball Mag, the industry's number one Volleyball Mag.